Okay, I'm going to start recording. Yeah, We're going to go live in a little bit. I just got to set up the... Hi. Sub, Lily. Um, I got to set up the the music track. One sec. Oh, God. Yeah. There's an open... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Thanks. <coughs> hey, it's been working. <laughs> oh God! Do people actually like it? What? A couple people. It's it's whatever. Um. So. <laughs> consume. Consume. So soon? Are we on? Not yet. Okay. When do we go live? Okay. We're gonna go live in about ten seconds. Everybody, get ready. Get your game faces on. I'm eating candy. Okay, I'm gonna keep selling. Do you have to tell me? Yes. All okay, right. I'm gonna leave the door online. Okay. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye. Good luck, y'all. Thank you. So Chase always just gonna be in a bathroom for yep. the remainder. That's kind of, of a stick. Chase, I am. My dad's actually working on finding a mic, so I'll send you one down there. Hopefully by the Is end of the month. Your dad. Yeah, he's worked at Staples, so he's got... Staples. Are we going live now? Yeah, we're going live right now. Pressing the live button. Uh, let me check YouTube, make sure that it's all goody. Yes, we are streaming right now. Is it okay if I play if I play uh, Mario Kart while doing the podcast? Uh, don't, don't put on the music, because that's... Uh, copyright. Uh, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> Just mute the... My, my music, what are you talking about? I'm talking about playing Mario Kart. Oh, okay, I see. I see. Yeah, mute the music. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Hey, guys. We're live now, I guess. So welcome to the 54 podcast. Before we begin, uh, I'm just going to jump right into the intro, and then we'll get started. Live from New York, it's unfortunately us. Welcome to the 54 Podcast. Today, we got Chase Fry, as per usual. We got Patrick Kobos fucking finally. And we got Wilson Chicas in the studio today. Um, This is the studio. studio. (laughs) So, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Um, Patrick is... I'm not entirely (coughs) sure what he's doing. I'm throwing my pants. Oh, you're you're sewing your pants. Okay. There's just a lot of glare coming from your side. Yeah, it looks like you're sitting in the center of the sun. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I can see myself perfectly fine. Like I can see myself in the view in uh, the little corner just fine. I like. You know, it took us weeks to get Patrick on the podcast, and the first thing he does is sew his pants. (laughs) That's fucking. Well, you know, that's that. That's always going to be happening. What can you do? Um. So well, I mean, I'm a busy man, you know, I gotta sell my pants. So today's a special milestone, because today is our fifth uh, episode on the 54. Um, Damn, I missed that many? Yeah, we've, we're five episodes yeah, we're in. Five we five now, dude. We're blowing up. Yeah. Um, you know, we got a whole bunch of different uh, things going on, promotional posters. Um, our podcast is now available on multiple streaming services, yeah. so anybody listening, make sure to <laughs> just share about, and please... <coughs> 
Joseph is shamelessly self-promoting. I was actually about to make that exact same joke, but thank you. Um, you will, if you do like share the podcast and you get it out there for everyone, Joseph what? will manifest in your room and give you a kiss goodnight. Now, don't tell people that they're not going to want to subscribe. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a terrible idea, Patrick. Um, will per, uh, like personally tuck you into bed every night. If you subscribe to this podcast, Joseph will personally lock himself in his room forever so nobody ever has to see his ugly face except when you're watching the podcast. It'll last a week before I slip my wrists. But, you know, that's... That's neither that's here nor there. Jesus! You have to do it for the fans, Joseph. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm going to do it for the fans. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> jumping off of that right? topic. That's still a thing. Anyhow, guys. Um, <laughs> Does anybody remember Do It For The Vine? No, I don't, actually. You never heard that saying, Joseph? Do It For The Vine? I ain't going to do it. Oh, like for when Vine was a thing. Before TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, before the wars happened. The wars. Is that what you call it? What do you constitute as the wars, Patrick? You know, the wars. That's well, very you know, vague. Wait, you've never you never you never you weren't involved in the incident? You never you never saw the incident? What are you talking about? When everything went wrong. You know, the incident. What? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> It's Patrick's first and last podcast. <laughs> so it's 7 o'clock in the afternoon, or in, in the evening, I should say. Are you high right now, Patrick? No. Okay. I'm just I am sure. dead sober. You know what? I can kind of tell. Because when, <laughs> when you're high, you're somehow way dumber than you are right now. But that's okay. Yeah, we don't um, we don't talk about high, Patrick. He uh, stays in the closet Chase, forever. Oh, you're admitting that you're in the closet. No, no, hi, Patrick, stays in the Yeah, dude, the watch what you say, because I just came up with so many gay jokes for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a hand and wrist guard. Your thumb's supposed to go through here. I think you're wearing it the wrong way. So, what topics do we have for today? Today, well, actually, I'm going to show you the magical board. Um... Magical. Currently, this is all we got. Can this be my um, what? Wearing these? The magical wow, board. The creative brain power between you and Wilson is phenomenal. <laughs> what the fuck is the magical board? Can you not see? You oh. can look if you look up at the screen. I can see it. I can see it. What's the point? I just see a fucking whiteboard that says pussy. Yeah, those are so usually on the whiteboard uh, is where we put our ideas. We have like a list of topics. Which for, usually don't have many. For today, we just have um, I'm this. I'm putting you on the spot. So you know I'm that's that's fantastic as always, um, but yeah, um, so we don't really have any topics, <laughs> which is great. I mean, it's always a, a, a phenomenon getting started. Good. But I was thinking right. we could just talk about how the world's ending and um, and kind of. Oh yeah, the planet's doing fantastic. Yeah, the planet. I think it's doing great. There's nothing wrong. Everything is fine. I actually had Dude, a pretty Walmart good... Dude, is scary. <laughs> <laughs> the, the world, world, everything the is world is collapsing around us, but I've been having a great time. Have you? With with the whole apocalypse? 
Well, yeah. I mean, my my personal life is doing great. Like personally, I'm I'm very happy. Um, everybody else is in the shit, but I'm doing fine. I'm glad to hear that, Chase. Most people are not. <laughs> so. It's like I'm it's like I'm sitting on a raft on a little lawn chair drinking a margarita with a sun hat, and the world is burning behind me. That's kind of how I feel. What are you doing? That hand doesn't even have the guard on it. Why were you petting my head? What are you talking about? Wilson was just petting me. Um, which what? You don't Wilson pet you? No, it's just it's just a strange. What's wrong with you? Anyhow, the world's collapsing. Um, so yeah, I don't know, uh, Patrick. You're participating in one of the, uh, the pro- in the things. What? What? Why am I supposed to be quiet about that? Why? Why do we have to be so quiet about that? What are you participating in, Patrick? Nothing. In a not protest. I'm not participating in anything. <laughs> Wait. You know, it's worse you to pers- deny it. It's worse to no. deny it because it means you're ashamed no, of your you cause. Are you participating in a protest? If you deny it, you're ashamed of your cause. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> Either be proud of what you're protesting in or, or don't protest. Because if you don't, or if you're not willingly admitting to what it is that you're doing... Then because you're ashamed I know of what happens to people who get exposed. What do you mean exposed? Exposed for what? Everybody's <laughs> participating in protests. <laughs> Change the subject. What are you talking about? Wait, Patrick. <laughs> what the fuck? I think Walmart parking lots are dystopian societies. <laughs> Thanks, Wilson. Thank you for the input. How's the weather doing today, by the way? It's better. Thank you, Wilson. And now back to Chase with sports. Um, you guys are being ridiculous. <laughs> Why? Go ahead. No, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. I'm not. I'm not opposed to talking about this. I don't look. Okay, it's you guys think it's such a taboo subject. I'm not talking just about you, Patrick. But you guys think it's such a taboo subject, so you won't even bring it up. And injustice was done. Okay, and we need to talk about it. If we as a society cannot talk about it, then the injustices will continue to be done. Okay. Exactly. I no, agree we you. can talk about it. Just Patrick doesn't want to admit he's participating in a thing publicly. Because he's ashamed. Well, I'm afraid of what could happen to but me. What, there okay. are thousands, possibly even millions of people participating in this. Not even in person, maybe just online. Okay, they, yeah, and people have died from being exposed to participating. My face and my name are attached to this podcast now. <laughs> Is live on the internet for all to see. So what? But why are you afraid of people? Who are you afraid of? Because the only people yeah. who are going to be coming after you are because people I've that are seen, racist. I've seen news stories of people who have gotten killed after the fact, after the protest, just for participating. But then you don't believe in the movement. It's not that I don't believe in the movement. It's that I don't want my family. To anything, be- anything you're willing to protest for, like I understand you don't want to be hurt and you don't want to be, but anything you're willing to protest for, and you feel passionately about. Then you should be willing. <laughs> yes, the general consensus on the internet is that you should not expose protestees just because it puts their safety at risk. No, it's fun it, to be a protester. What it's not good to be is like, what is it? Yeah, are you going out, Patrick? Are you going out there to harm people? No, are you going out there to stand up for an injustice that was done and protect those who are harmed. Yeah. So but, you're doing a noble yeah. thing. Be proud but, of yourself. The the issue is that in going to the protest, I put a target on my back. 
but so is everybody else and they're standing yeah. up and they're standing up without any fear and they also have families and they're putting their, their they neck on the line also wear face coverings that's yeah well, now but you think protest how long do you think a yeah. lot of people don't wear face coverings they go to protests without face coverings and they're proud of the cause and how long the do you think is, protests have been going on face coverings are a new addition because of the pandemic not just because of the pandemic but because these protests have uh, resulted in riot control yeah most protests do have you yeah. seen the, the civil I, rights movement and also because of the events being extremely polarizing that there are certain uh, groups that would like to see harm to uh, people who are protesting with the injustice but do you it's, think the majority of people are out to get you, or do you think that's a minority? It's a minority, but it's still a risk. But also, also between you just showing up and someone who is actually like, you know, throwing Molotov cocktails and windows and stuff like that, who are they <laughs> going to target? Yeah, fair enough. I'm sorry, but, you're not. I don't think you're the prime target here, Patrick. I'm not saying I am, but I also <laughs> don't want to like. If, if if you got a fucking hit put on you because you said you were going to a protest in this podcast, I would be shook. Well, I'm just trying to be careful, okay? okay. I get it. And I respect your, your decision to be a little bit more uh, cautious. But it's also, you, you know, if you're doing it, you shouldn't be ashamed of putting your, your uh, identity out there. Because if you're not then if you just go there, then it just makes it look like you're there just simply to gain clout rather than actually participate in the movement itself. You get me? So it's still um, a bad look. I'm also going there to keep my my sisters and my mother safe. What's that? I'm going there to keep... Because I'm not the only one going. I want to keep them safe. Okay. Was it your idea to go to the uh, protest or was no, it theirs? No, not my idea. Okay. Who, uh, yeah, but still, I think you need to, like, you know, I don't think, I think most people in this country are on your side and are on the side of reason in this. Yes, but there are certain people who are not. There are always going to be certain people, we can, but you can't live a life in fear. <clears throat> you know, like, group, you know, hate groups have always existed. The KKK still exists. But it doesn't mean that you're going to stop yourself from doing things simply out of the fear that there's somebody out there that hates minorities. You can't live your entire life in a bubble because those people exist. You still have to go out there and make change yourself. So, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, it's about combating that. That's the whole reason there's a protest is to combat that status quo. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's to combat the fear, right? Because people are tired of being scared. People are tired of being marginalized. Exactly. Honestly, like, I'm also joining because, like, I'm scared for my nephew because, you know, he's half Trini. And I don't want him to grow up in a world where he could just be shot for trying to go get a goddamn candy bar from the store. Exactly. So you have to stand up for those beliefs. I agree with you 100%, but you have to stand up for that. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be scared because being scared is counterintuitive of the protest itself. Yeah, I know. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, this is also like very new territory for me because I also know that riots have the potential of breaking out. I'm not saying that they will uh, this Friday, but <clears throat> like, I'm not saying that they will break out, but it, it's just um, if something does happen, 
and I have to defend myself, you guys know I'm a pacifist. It's not easy for me. So it, the whole situation does have me stressed out because I might be put into a situation where I will have to defend myself. Sure. Mm -hmm. and that's, not I think, that's not something I normally do. Yeah. Defend yourself from who? Uh, riot police, for example. Well, they just arrest you. Yeah, but as long as you're being passive, I don't think it's... Yeah, you're not supposed to fight people, the police. It's when people become <laughs> impassive that... The whole point of this protest is because people have peacefully complied in the past. Right, I agree with you, but you're not, you're not going out there solely body. to beat the shit out of them. Like, that's not so, the goal of the protest. You understand? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not out to, to beat the shit out of a police mm -hmm. officer. Uh, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, there's different... The protest is there to spread a message, and it's there to, to ins insinuate the kind of points that they're tr they've been trying to get across. But they're not... You're not going there purely just to, you know, harass officers, even though they've done plenty of it themselves. You're not there to do solely that at the protest. That's, you know, that's not what I was saying at all. Okay, what were you saying then? I'm saying this is a situation where, okay, we're protesting because police officers are overzealous in, uh, like, you know, what, what am I trying to say here? They're, they're overzealous and they use unnecessary force whenever they're trying to, what's that word? When, when they're trying to detain, when they're trying to detain uh, a potential perpetrator, a potential subject, a suspect for, you know, a certain like situation. Because the audio bounces into the mic. Anyway, continue. Sorry, I was I was telling Wilson something. So, if I'm going to a protest for that, I'm also expecting that to also happen to me if I am peacefully protesting. It's very a very real possibility that I submit to a police officer and they don't calm down and they don't calmly arrest me. They just kill me there. Well, uh, sure, it's always a possibility, Patrick, but nine times out of ten, that does not happen, okay? You're standing up for the one time out of ten that it does happen, right? And I'm sorry, but you can't half-ass a protest. I'm not half-assing protest. Well, it's just a lot yeah. of like, it's just, uh, it's new territory for me. Sure. So, I think, but I think that the fact that you're going to a protest is very noble and good. Like, I think it's good to stand up for that, but you can't be like shy about it. You know, like protests by nature are not shy things. It's a protest. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying, dude. And that's, you know, I was, I was completely, you know. I don't mind putting my, my name out there if I'm going to attend one. And, you know, I was hoping to be able to uh, attend one within the week so that I could actually photograph the events and participate in it and, you know, um, actually spread the message out even even more so. But, you know, you have to be willing to also, you know, attach your name to that event. Um, I, you know, I'm just... That's just my perspective, you know. Like, I think people that participated in the, in the civil rights movement, they're not ashamed of having their names attached to that by any degree. So, well, yeah, that's, but, like, after the fact, of course. No, I mean, not, not just in that. retrospect. They, they, they weren't ashamed even when they were doing it. You think King was marching down um, 
Selma, Alabama, with you know shame well, in his mind. He was one of the he was one of the few that was like well not one of the few but like there were people who would want to keep their identity a secret for their own safety, the safety of the family, for the safety of. People. I got. I did. You know what, Patrick? I disagree with you. Okay, I dis I disagree with what you're saying because the fact is, dude, like when it's an injustice like that, it feels like people want to put themselves out more to show how wrong it is. People aren't. If you if you bury your head in the sand, then that's counterintuitive to the whole thing of the protest. Like you're, it, it's people are putting themselves out there to protest to show the injustices that's being done. If you sit there and hide and be afraid, then people are gonna walk all over you, and people are tired of being walked all over. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, I think, like I said, I think what you're doing is very noble. You just you can't be shy about it, you know, because then nothing's going to get done. You're leading for a positive change in the world, but you can't initiate positive change in a shy manner. It also makes the people that are putting their names and voices out there, it make, it's almost like you're kind of uh, handicapping them because, you know, from your perspective, you're like, oh, this is not something I should be putting my name on. So you're making, from your perspective, it seems like, those people don't. No, I've still, I've still been like posting shit on my, mm -hmm. on my story that shows like support, mm -hmm. right? You know, I've, I've been posting a, a bunch of like ways that people can protect themselves during a protest. Yeah. Sure. Uh, namely, like you know, personal protective equipment. Um, and actually, here, what was the one that I posted actually just today? Um, cool. Yeah, just on my story, like uh, I posted on how to get like tear gas out of your eyes. So <laughs> you just blew up that chick's spot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. She has a face mask on. Okay, thanks, uh, Wilson. Well, yeah, she has very nice eyes. Yeah, they're very piercing. Piercing. But listen, guys. This person? You can't see their eyes. No, no, no. The, the, there was a face after the thing. There was a woman's oh. face Oh! It's just someone on my Instagram. So, Chase, yeah. are you participating in any? Protests? Yeah. No, we're still not leaving the house. And there was, like, one protest. I think... I don't I don't know the status of the protests in Dallas, but I, I don't think that was frequent in New York or... In Dallas, I believe they put a seven o'clock curfew because of the riots. I know there was a, I know there was a protest, but it was like one, and I think it was over. I, I don't, I don't know the status mm -hmm. of them. Well, I have like some friends that like live around there. Like, uh, I think she actually does live in McKinney. Yeah, and she was posting about like uh, the, how there's like a curfew now in McKinney. I. Th Think it was either like she, I think she was posting about Dallas. How there's a, there might be. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't mind going to one. I just have to figure out when they are, and yeah, we're still Antonio on the like, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, we're still on this rigid thing because of the coronavirus. Right. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to going to one. Yeah, no, I, I think it's beneficial that we do. I mean, a lot of people don't really realize it, but we're living in history right now. This is a big thing. This is a big moment. Yeah. Um, and especially you know, since it's happening during a global pandemic. Well, yeah, it goes to show that the rally cry, you know, it doesn't discriminate. People go out no matter what if if they really believe in their cause. Right. Um, 
So, you know, even though there's this dangerous pandemic at the moment, that isn't going to stop people from, you know, I mean, preaching in what they believe. I mean, it's stopping me. Well, yeah, it's stopping Wilson because he'll fucking die. But, you know, otherwise... Um, well, not, not everyone has cystic fibrosis. Yeah, well, you know. Don't discriminate against the poor kid. Um, but what should we call it? But, uh, I don't say I have CF. I'm trying to keep that private. Wilson, you have CF. Shut up. I'm trying to keep that private. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so apparently... So look at look at how good I've sewed my pants up, guys. Yeah, totally. That's fantastic. Anyhow, Chase, what, what were you saying? I'm just I'm trying to look, I'm trying to figure out the state of the protests in Dallas. Because uh, yeah, Wilson just brought up a good for, point. Curfews were mostly enacted in San Antonio, I think. Curfews in some areas, yeah. Well, I don't really. San Antonio is like five hours from here. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why I was so, but apparently there are curfews in some areas um yeah hey oh seven that on the dallas news's uh instagram page it says uh 7 p.m curfew will begin tonight and last for and i quote the next several days Um, hey um i have to leave the podcast early because i have to eat dinner so if y'all are still on i can come back but yeah just uh you know go do your thing and just you know, jump back on when you're ready. All right. Peace. Peace. Um, what was I saying? But, yeah, there's a 7 p.m. curfew in Dallas uh, for the next few days. So, basically, until further notice. Right, right. Um, I don't know. I just... This is, uh, this is just a landmark year, I guess, in general. A lot of things are happening um, in this year alone. So let's see. Let's let's re let's recount real quickly. Here, let's use the the, the magic board to. Uh, okay. Okay. So I'm gonna list like a lot of like potential. No, not potential. Like, list the stuff that's actually happened. It's <laughs> like the calendar of bullshit, basically. All right. Um, we almost got sucked into World War Three right off the bat. That's not true, but okay, we'll put it on the list. World well, War that was like a, that was like a major concern. It got memed a lot. It was an so. exaggeration. It was a meme. It wasn't that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, World but War Three. We'll uh, <laughs> whatever. And then um, coronavirus uh, happened in March. Kobe. Um, at least Kobe. here in America. Kobe. Yeah, that's right. Kobe died. Let's put Kobe on. There. Kobe. That's what I was missing. Fucking yeah, Kobe, Kobe died. Bryant died. That is just. That's probably the worst one out of all of this. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It just it is. It's, it sucks, dude, that he's gone, especially the way um, that he went. And then aliens were aliens Kobe were confirmed. Dies. Kobe fucking dies. Coronavirus hits. Then we get murder hornets. Well, yeah, the murder hornets. Uh, well, they're on the west coast at the moment. They're not here yet. So no, they're they've been here. On the east coast? No, I haven't. They haven't. No, been they've only been confirmed to be in Washington. Yeah, only in Washington, dude. Hold on, I, I could have sworn I. No, they're only no, in, Washington. in Washington. And they and the reports are actually, the reports are actually from last year. They just became popular this year because people want to spread, you know, sadness. Um. You okay. Let's see. Alien. We aliens weren't confirmed, Wilson. Aliens were confirmed. When were aliens? <laughs> Aliens the sequel confirmed. Um, Aliens the sequel. Uh, I I don't really. Like oh, apparently apparently aliens? I don't know if it's a new study or if it's an older 
um, study. But apparently Saturn's rings are dissipating at a faster rate. No, than no, that, yeah, that's an old study. That's oh, an old study. Okay. Yeah, that's so been happening. I thought that was uh, okay. We could just put down um, for 2020. We can also put uh, uh, what is it? The protests, obviously. <laughs> that's, yeah. Instead of just putting, you know, naming every single one, person. One one uh, one target got destroyed in Minneapolis. Like absolutely. Well, that's a result of the protest, so I'm not going to put that as a separate event. Well, yeah, I know. I but know, yeah, 2020 has been uh, absolutely fucking bodied. Yeah, like, yeah, they, no, we got fucked up. Have you seen? Have you seen like the videos on TikTok? Like people are just like walking around like destroyed town. No, I haven't. I haven't. No. Uh, there was just like one video of this dude on TikTok. He was like going, uh. Uh, hello, police officer. I need your help. He was going. He was walking into like a completely destroyed and abandoned police precinct. Jesus Christ! Like, he was like walking through, going like he was calling for a police officer. Did you see the oh. the whole thing at Central Park where uh, the guy almost got the police called on, or I don't know if he did. Got the police called on him because he told this woman to put her dog on a oh, leash. leash on uh, on her dog. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was oh. uh, that was fucking oh, crazy to watch. Man, I saw the video. Shit. What? Wait, I don't, I don't get that. What do you mean? What? Why would? So in Central Park, there was this dude. He was a black man. He was walking around. Uh, or I think he was. He's a bird watcher. So he was bird watching in Central Park, and then this uh, this lady comes about. They both have the same last name for some reason. I didn't she know he about. was bird watching. That's like the single most peaceful thing a person Yeah, he was can... bird watching. So then she comes out. She doesn't have her dog on a leash. <laughs> right next to flower viewing. Continue. Yeah, flower viewing. Um, so she didn't... This white lady didn't have um, her dog on a leash and he went, hey, he suggested peacefully you should probably have... Uh, can you put your, your dog, dog on your yeah, leash? Can you put your dog on your leash? And she got extremely offended. And she started getting aggressive. And so he started filming it. He started recording it. And then she started going, you know, I'm going to call the police. And she was making racial remarks. She's like... Aren't there signs to put a leash she on was your Like, she was yelling on the Most phone. places have that. I don't know. She was yelling oh, on the phone. Was, she was putting on the fucking theatrics on yeah, the Yeah, she phone. was yelling on the phone. She's like, I'm being assaulted by a African-American she male. She sounded... She was like... She went from, like, sounding, like, pissed at the dude... To just, like, on the phone, she was, like, crying. She made it sound like she was being fucking attacked. In this oh, instance. that's Karen behavior. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah, no, no, like yeah, she yeah, lost yeah. her job. The video she that I fired. saw was, like, calling yeah, that, that's Karen. That's just how they Karen. act. I don't know why. Yeah, I know. But, you know. I'm glad Karen's... that she fucking lost her goddamn job. Like, also, was... white, also, white women are oh, offended by job? the word Karen now. Yeah, she got fired from her job. Um, and then she also released a statement trying to like say that oh you know I I miss I misspoke I shouldn't have said that you know a lot of people of color have a hard time in this country yada yada yada. She was like trying to backpedal. It it wasn't it didn't working. Work. No, yeah. it didn't work for her. No, no, no. Also, she almost killed her dog. Yeah, because she that, kept yeah. fucking like her dog was like she, she was lynching her fucking dog. She's carrying him by like her his collar on the. Oh neck. my god! She was like terrible. strangling him as he was like she was like because she was angrily like dealing debating this guy, so she just kept like strangling him, the poor fucking oh, dog. Geez. She almost killed her fucking dog. I mean, it was, it was just it was. You could see the dog getting <clears throat> more and more desperate in the video. She's just she was she, yeah. Well, it's because she was desperate. She couldn't like she was wrong. She, I'm pretty sure, knew that she was self-aware enough to know she was wrong, but she thought she had the ability to fucking do anything she wanted because of her privilege. Oh, I am, I am white woman. I get free piss. I'm white woman. I go to Walmart and I get coupon. You know, it's just like... <laughs> Wait, what? No, you, you, I'm not going to say that. I feel that like you're offending people who have that accent now. Who have coupons? 
Okay. What accent am I doing? I don't. I honestly don't even know what accent we were doing. I don't know why we did the accent because most white women don't aren't Russian. So I'm not entirely sure why that was a. I was just doing an accent. Interesting. Well, whoever has it, I feel like you're offending them. <laughs> More than likely. Um, Patrick, you still there? Oh no, I think Patrick died. Yeah, I think he did. It's just uh, you and me now, Wilson. Oh boy. This. <laughs> so yeah, oh boy, indeed. Um, I mean, we're live, but you know, we could still edit it together. Whatever happens. Yeah, true. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. This this year has just been fucking hectic. It's been weird. Um, hopefully, you know, next year is more calm. But I think by me just saying that, it's definitely not going to be. So I don't know. Um, oh, his power went out. Nice. Did he just message you? Yeah, it just says it says it on the corner. It says power went out. Oh, jeez. Um, like in his whole house? I don't know. Uh, oh, well, there I'm. I'm. This is me now. Uh, let me know when <coughs> it comes back. Yeah. All right, that should be good enough. Um. So yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know, man. I think uh, we've had a rough year. I think uh, most of the country is just upset <coughs> and exhausted and tired. And um, I mean, people were gonna get this way one. People were gonna like start protesting and doing things like this eventually, mm -hmm. because like this whole police brutality has been going on for almost like. It's been going on for it's decades. It's been going now. on since the inception of the police. Yeah. It's just, it hasn't, you know, it's an issue that's been, that's countrywide. I'd personally like to say that I think the police here on the East Coast, uh, and by the East Coast I mean up here in like New York and the tri-state area, are somewhat more passive than some of the officers in the South and the Midwest. And I only say that because of people that I know that live in those areas and um, they, oh, no, those the, cops are aggressive to no matter, no matter who the fuck it is. I mean, in Florida, I think it was in Florida <coughs> in 2016, they killed a, a deaf man, or a, I don't know if he was deaf or mute. Seriously? One of the, yeah, they just shot him because they could. Why? I forgot. It was because he wasn't responding to commands. I think, and I mean, uh, ever so obviously. Like, did was he not like doing sign language, or did they just not understand that's what he was don't, doing? I don't. Well, it's Florida, so I don't fucking know. You know, but it's it's the fact that I think. You know, it's also the fact that a lot of the officers down there um, are also come from these very conservative white backgrounds. And not to shit on conservatives, you know, but a you lot see, of them... I'm not... Mm -hmm. I'm not, like... Mm -hmm. The way I see things, I don't think it has to do with the with specifically white police officers. I'm, I just think given, like, people in positions of authority, a good amount of them just tend to abuse that authority. More than likely. But sure, I also think that people like, that have already, that have pre premeditated motives or ideologies before they step into that job, they're just going to continue bringing that with them to that job. <clears throat> so, like, if somebody's raised, you know, under this kind of, like, nationalist, racist pride, they're, that isn't going to leave them the second they take an oath to, to become a police officer. Um, and they shouldn't have a badge, in my, in, in my opinion. Um... I, you know, I think a good portion of officers don't deserve the badges that they have. I just, I feel like it's, 
Like, uh, from one thing that I've seen that improves police officers' behavior when it comes to how they do their job is uh, just putting body cams on everyone. Yeah, well, it's not just that. I think that cops should also go through psychological evaluation before they get a job. Officers do go through psychological evaluation. It's just not when they start it. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. Because um, if you're going to hire somebody, I think you should have them reviewed before they even get the job in the first place. Uh, you shouldn't give the job to somebody and then after the fact be like, oh, let's make sure that this person is healthy enough to be on the force. You know, it's like, uh, I, and I get why they do it, or at least I think I know why they do it. You know, they justify it in their minds because like, oh, this officer, during his his day-to-day, he's probably going to see some traumatic shit. But that doesn't, um, that doesn't apply um, to somebody who's already seen fucked up shit before they go into the force, especially, you know, ex-military. Um, so, you know, that's never... Uh, Either way, I think everyone protest- protesting or not has a right to. They And at this point, I definitely think they should. Because, like, I just... I don't think, like, uh, police officers using their power like this should have been going for as long as it has been. No, I agree with you. And, and like, especially after, like... And, like, especially, like, after I heard the first, uh... <clears throat> like, oh, what was that case? That was a famous, like, case back in, like, the 90s. The, the, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, what's his name? Fuck. Because, like, you, like, either way, You mentioned like, it the other day. Yeah, I did, like... Rod, uh, Rod, wasn't it Rodney King? Was yeah, it? I think. Rodney King. Like, I'm, like... I, I'm surprised that, like, decades after that happened, it's still going on. It's, like, you'd think... Why... Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, honestly. Yeah. It was the act of police brutality, uh, 1991... And yeah, it's Rodney King. But remember, King didn't die during that. King survived. Still, the it was attack. like. But yeah, I know I'm not. I'm not discounting. It was I'm excessive. Just, no, I know Very I'm not. Excessive. I'm just saying, you know, um, that it's just if you look at most of uh, police and most history, uh, police history, I should say, dating back, you know, to its inception, um, it seems it always seems like like uh, it's just always <laughs> been this way. It's never changed. I mean, now the only reason that things are gradually changing as well is because we're starting to see more minorities start to become part of the force. And I think that some of those people, especially, I see more minorities uh, wearing badges in areas like this. You know, I'm Hispanic and I see some um, Hispanic police officers and I see some black police officers, um, Asian officers. I, I see different walks of life wearing that uniform. And I think that in some way creates empathy uh with those select officers in their communities i'm not saying it is, it's exactly the case that's going on now but i'm saying i hope that that's direct that the i hope that's Hold the direction on. It's i want to say something but yeah. i'm not but like i'm gonna quickly do some quick it's like i don't want to sound like i don't know what i'm talking about because i just right, want right. to be sure of something because like you because you, like you're saying mm-hmm. about you're talking about minorities in the force but like i think I'm not sure. The point being is that they're still minorities at the end of the day, so they don't make up a majority of the force anyways, unfortunately. Um, you know, even though I feel like they should, because the, I feel like the police would be way more empathetic if we had people that understood the struggles of those communities. Because I'm not sure, because I, I read something online that said, um, like, there were, like, there were police officers that were minorities there. They were black. There was just... I think there was like an Asian officer there as well, but like yeah, no, no, at the the at Floyd's um, 
when he was being arrested. When he and was then, being arrested, there was an Asian officer that. that and was like, I don't, I don't think that's like you. Th- and from what you're saying, oh, as someone who's ethnic would feel more sympathy towards the people getting arrested, but right there. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't, I don't know, man. It's it's a complicated situation. Um, the thing is, there's really I don't know what the answer is to fixing the police. <clears throat> I always I hear mm-hmm. people saying officers should be held to a higher standard when it comes to like. Crimes. What they do, no, like what, what their job, like when it comes to following the laws, because they're supposed to like uphold them, they should follow them even more strictly than us. Mm-hmm. I feel like one, th- like are they? They're not hold, like let's say, and clearly, officers aren't really like penalized the same way for their crimes as like a civilian would be. Right. So I feel like well, that's one pretty thing, obvious. Most of them. Oh well, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That's why I feel like one thing that would help is mm-hmm. if they break the law. I feel like the punishment should be more severe for them. Right. I feel like that might help. No, and I agree with you, but it doesn't happen. It's almost like every officer has like a, a you know get out of jail free card. No, that's exactly what they have. Yeah. Because exactly. um, not gonna name any names, but a friend of mine, he he performed some act of vandalism. I forget where, but uh. He just kind of called up his uncle who works for the <clears throat> police department. And then because he holds a somewhat higher authority in the police department, they just let him go. So that's exactly what they have. Yeah, they exactly. Have it's just, it is, it's literally, if you have pull, then it doesn't matter. Yes, yeah, like, I just feel like... And I think that's the worst part about it because these people, you know, you're literally giving them a license to kill. You know, these every police officer <laughs> basically has a license to kill if they, if they consider it necessary, quote unquote. Um, which it never really is. It's never necessary to take a life. That should be the last option in any kind of scenario. Um, and all the deaths that we've seen never at any point required force like that, that they put in, the, the kind of force that they, they use to, to detain them. Um, so there's obviously, you know, they, they have this mentality of like, oh, I can get away with anything. And, you know, a normal person, somebody, a civilian, like you and, or you and me or Patrick, if we were ever to get into a fight with somebody, our first thought wouldn't be like, "Oh, we can kill this person. Let's go. We'll be fine, right?" Like a, a cop does it instantly with this knowledge of knowing that they're going to be okay. Somebody wouldn't take the life of another human being if they knew what consequences they were going to actually face. No, yeah, like that's the last yeah. thing I try to do. Like right. when it comes to a confrontation with someone. Mm-hmm. My first instinct would be to like shut that down immediately, like right. st- prevent any fighting or violence. The only time, the only reason those officers are doing what they're doing is because they know that they have the ability to get out of that scot free. And if and if it does come down to, like <clears throat> me personally, if it does come down to fist fighting, I'm running as fast as I can. I'm not. I don't want to get into a fight. Right. Mainly because I'll get wrecked. <laughs> I'm not the fighting type. Yeah. No, I get that. I mean, I just, it's 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 a problem. Um, it's been plaguing this country for a while um quite obviously um but again i really don't know what the answer is to fix the police force i don't even know if the answer is to keep the police force i don't know if it should be transformed into something else i don't understand how like laws will be upheld then if there's well that's my point you there needs to be some kind of policing but i don't think that the way that we've been traditionally doing it is really working um obviously and so it needs to. It needs some kind of um, shock collars, maybe. I don't know. Shock collars on cops. Um, I mean, it would be entertaining to watch. You know, the second that they get out of line, somebody just pushes a button. They're like, oh, immediately. Um, you know, treat them like the fucking pigs that they're being. But otherwise, I mean, I don't. 
I just feel bad for the cops to actually do their job right. They're being yeah, yeah, like, and that's just... a that's a big topic that's being debated now. Because <clears throat> like I saw a post, like I saw like because mo- obviously most of the stuff I'm I'm personally getting this is from obviously social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a post of the of a police officer. He seemed like a decent guy who did in fact demonize the cops that like killed George Floyd. Yeah. Like, he was on the side of, like, the public saying, oh, yeah, he should just be, yeah, those guys are murderers. Yeah. And, like, uh, like while that was a good thing to say, mm-hmm. out in public, who right. knows? Well, and the, 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 the thing on top of that as well is a lot of people have different perspectives on this. Some people are, you know, like, hey, not all cops are terrible. Other people are like, all cops are bad, no matter what walk of life they come no, from. No, here's why... Here's why people say all cops are bad Mm -hmm. because good cops still don't rat out the bad cops exactly and that's why people are what people are upset about they're upset that no matter what officer you are if you're good or you've never hurt anybody in your life and you've been doing your job the way that it's supposed to be uh done you still don't speak out when one of your fellow comrades does Does something wrong does exactly that's yeah exactly so that's why it's kind of hard to like Mm -hmm. debate against saying oh all cops are bad because like to some degree, like, yeah. Like, sure, while someone themselves has never done anything bad, yeah. The problem with that as well is I think, you know, we don't know every, what would every single officer has ever said. We don't know if there are officers that have come out, you know, in defense of victims in the past. Uh, primarily because those stories don't usually get reported. Um, those aren't stories that make it to the media. Um, and so I don't really know what the number of, you know, actual police officers that took a stand (coughs) actually is. Um, You know, and I know people that are in the force that are, that are, in my opinion, good people. You know, they, um, they actually care about their jobs and they try to take care of it in the the best, the most human way possible. You know, they see it as a duty um, and they've never, as far as I know, they've never harmed anybody. Um, So... You know, it's it's a, it's a very difficult question whether every officer is, you know, terrible. But then at the same time, you could also use, the, a lot of people also use that excuse that, oh, well, you know, um, every you can't say every officer is bad because then you're using the same discriminatory um, language that they use, essentially. If you just as- blatantly assume that every officer is terrible. Generalizing is bad. Generalizing, yeah. yeah generalizing is, in, in any form, is... Um, it's not good. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to say whether, you know, coming at these officers with, like, this kind of idea of they're just all shitty is actually um, a justifiable uh, thought. You know, I don't... I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. I'd like to think not, because I like to think that at the end of the day, you know, we can all be forgiving. Um, I'm not saying forgiving to the people that are actually fucking, you know did shitty things but i'm saying you know i i don't think that you should hate somebody simply because they uh they decided to be an officer maybe they went into that job with good intentions but i don't know because some of them are really are really shit people and then again there hasn't been any change even with all the quote-unquote good officers on the force there hasn't been really any progress so you know, and we still have people. We're we're still hiring individuals that are you know blatantly murdering people. So you know you have to ask yourself what is the, why do we keep letting people like this into the force? 
you know, and these people are not, you know, you know, uh, like old veterans in the force that, you know, are still sticking to their, uh, their traditional ways, as some people might put it, quote unquote. Um, traditional ways don't really work nowadays. Yeah, anymore. well, I mean, I don't want to call it that. But, you know, <laughs> we're talking about people that are still, you know, young, um, in their 20s, 30s. Um, these are people that are, that are, were born in the 70s, you know, after the civil rights movements. And they're, they're completely, um, 70s or, or 80s, sorry. Um, they're, and they're still, they're still out there murdering people. Even with all the context that they need, all the historical context that they need, um, I don't know. It's a horrible uh, situation. It's a, it's complex. There's someone out there with the solution, but sadly that person isn't me. What's that? There's someone out there with the solution. It's not me. Yeah, I know. And the problem is that the people with solutions, or at least the people that are, are vocal enough about trying to find those solutions, um, are vilified. You know, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, they were both assassinated. So, you know, it's... It's it's terrible that the two people that we look to when we think of, you know, Reformation and people that actually fought for civil rights, they were both killed for doing those exact things. You know, the greatest... These people that we look up to in honor were killed for their beliefs. And it doesn't even just stick to them. If you want to go farther back than that, if you want to go all the way back to 1865, Lincoln was assassinated as well. He wasn't black, but he was the one that, you know, put down the Emancipation Proclamation, and he did all these different reformation, uh, the 13th Amendment, obviously, all these different things that, uh, that freed the slaves of America. So even one of the earliest members of, of that, uh, I would say, of that group of people that, that changed things, even he was assassinated. This country doesn't like people that think differently from them. You know, and whether it's 1865 or 1968, it doesn't matter. Literally, King was killed in, I think it was 1968 or 69, one of those years. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was 68. That's when he was assassinated. That's, again, that's 103 years after uh, Lincoln was assassinated. A whole century after Lincoln was assassinated, somebody still killed another man for trying to, to fight for his rights. You know, it's it's ridiculous, and I'd like I'd like to believe that within a century, things will change. Uh, but given the fact that I just made that 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 comparison, it has been a century. Yeah, exactly. My point is, I just made a comparison. You know, literally within a hundred year gap, two people were killed basically for you know the same. Those people were killed with the same motive. I'd like to say. Um, so it's, you know, and again, Malcolm X as well in the 60s. Yeah, I just don't understand how, like, <clears throat> I was, I, I, for my myself personally, was raised by my mom to never use the word hate mm -hmm. and to just completely leave it out of my mind. So that's why I just can't understand how people can hate anything, really. Right. I was raised, you know, with that, with that kind of pretense as well. It's just like, you know, everybody's, you know, the same. You shouldn't look at anybody and use their race or uh, their financial stance as a way to, you know, critique them or judge them or, or just make generalizations about their personalities. Um, you know, that was something that I learned from as a child, uh, and not just with races, but also with just everything, you know, sexual or sexual orientation as well. Uh, as from as a very young child, I was taught to respect uh, individuals. I had to learn that gay. on my own, if I were to be mm -hmm. honest. 
Well, yeah, no, that I know that about your family. Yeah, your family's not entirely. Yeah, not all of them are too. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, my mom. Let's. She doesn't like. Okay, so putting this gently, she doesn't want to be associated with them. She lets them do what they want. Like they can get married or whatnot. She just doesn't want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. Me, I'm fine with it. I just had to. I kind of learned that on my own. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, just people are cool. Let them do what they want. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, 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 <coughs> again, from a very young age, my parents... I actually, like, I, I've mentioned this probably to you before, but I was raised Catholic. And in Catholicism, it's still stated that, you know, homosexuality or just any form of, of anything beyond being heterosexual is just wrong. Um, they, Catholics <coughs> still believe that. Um, I did not know that, being raised Catholic, until the sixth grade. When I got in the sixth grade is when I first found out that Catholicism had no tolerance, apparently, for... Well, not everybody's like that, but, you know, the religion... The, dog, the dogma in itself doesn't approve of it. You know, that, that's funny. I didn't... Mm-hmm. I didn't know... Like, uh, simil- similar... Like, I didn't go to, like, a religious school like you did. Mm-hmm. But up until around, yeah, same time middle school, I didn't know people... Like, there was any... I didn't know there was a prejudice towards the gay community. Yeah. Like, I learned through it from people using terms of... Using words like gay or... Using words gay and... Using words like gay and such as... And mm. such as that in negative connotations. Yeah, I know. I didn't learn that like, people didn't like until then. Well, yeah, and, like, like, it was no, kind of funny. more... I had heard the word, like... I have. <clears throat> I had heard the word faggot. You know, like uh, thrown around uh, as a kid, and yeah, I, didn't I didn't know that it had a gay connotation. It was it was more society taught me that gay was mm-hmm. at at some point uh, not accepted, mm-hmm. and meanwhile, th- that same society taught me, oh, accept them, and it was kind of like really confusing. But um, but it's just like yeah, just that's whatever, my point. What when want. I was growing up, I just I never realized that being gay was a, was considered a bad thing to some people. It was it was considered this negative you know aspect of of. Uh, of the religions that we belong to, that we subscribe to, um, or just you know some people that aren't religious at all don't don't like um, the LGBT community, which is unfortunate. It's well, fuck them regardless, but it <laughs> doesn't matter. But my point being, you know, growing up, I um, I was ignorant about that. I was ignorant about and very naive about what uh, how people really felt about you know the gay community um, and how just people were also you know how racist some people were. I didn't, <coughs> I also didn't understand racism as a concept uh, growing up. That I say, like, re- remember mm-hmm. that story I told you about my fourth grade Spanish teacher? Yeah. She actually taught me what racism was. Did she? I wrote, like, I wrote, like, yeah, I've, I've told you this story before. Um, there was this uh, chick in my class, I, I guess I wasn't a fan of her, I don't remember, this was like, back when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. Because I didn't like her, I straight up said I didn't like Cubans not knowing that was a racist thing to say because I didn't know what racism was at the time. Mm-hmm. And then she comes up to me in Spanish because she's my Spanish. She's saying, hey, that's racist. You can't say that. I'm like, oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay, I won't do that. I just, you know, I was raised... I guess ignorance is bliss because when you're, when you're never told that that thing is seen as wrong to certain groups of people... And I said that just to get never, under the chick's skin. You, I didn't, no, exactly. It wasn't... But you don't... If you are raised with this ignorance as to what those things actually mean to some people to you it never 
it never growing up you never get this uh this idea that it's it's actually negative or it's a bad that's a, a bad thing or what <coughs> if you remain ignorant about the the subject then you just accept it kind of as it is um that's what i realized you know when i was already i found again i found out that it was wrong in the sixth grade right so at that age um oh look chase is coming in at that age i didn't welcome back chase welcome back man yeah hey what's up where's patrick his power went out like <laughs> about like four minutes after you uh you hopped off he, he like his power went completely out so wilson uh, and i have just been talking uh here about the protests and whatnot oh uh, we were yeah, talking about when we first learned what prejudice towards different groups of people when we first learned what how, how do I say? Well, we were talking about the protests and the police state and <coughs> what, you know, the overall outcome of all this should be. Um, and then we transitioned into, you know, kind of us growing up and us kind of being ignorant to the fact that racism and homophobia were even a thing. A, a thing. Like we kind of grew yeah. up without really realizing that those things existed because our parents kind of just <coughs> didn't teach us that they were. Uh, inherently bad things. Inherent, yeah, inherently bad things. Like I didn't know that it, that people thought being gay was wrong until I got to the sixth grade. Um, yeah, you know. And by the time that I was in the sixth grade, I was at an age where you really couldn't convince me or sway me in any other way. Like my opinion was already set. You know, yeah. I was like, hey, I don't think that being gay is wrong. And a whole bunch of kids were like, you know, it's fucked. You shouldn't do that. It's wrong. It's against God. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. But I was taught that God doesn't give a shit <laughs> if you suck dick or if you take it in the ass or whatever. It doesn't, that's not important to him. Like, I never, I don't know. Right. I just, I think in that general sense, ignorance truly is bliss. Because if you yeah. are ignorant about something growing up like, like that, then you never have the ability to grow hate towards it. Um, yeah. But, you know. <coughs> And Wilson was just talking about how he discovered racism in the fourth grade. <laughs> funny, funny enough, I was the one that said something prejudiced, but then I just learned it wasn't okay to say. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I mean, you know, I I don't know, man. In the, uh, it's just did you did you grow up with those prejudices? Like, did you know about those when you were a kid, or did well, you find out about them later in life? Yeah, I mean, I got it taste of it i mean the thing with like growing up in like a suburb of dallas is like you know like <coughs> you hear about them but you don't really get to see the other side right so i was very lucky in the fact that my mom's family was in new york and my dad's family was here and the fact that i kind of got to see both both of those things but like most people here some people i know haven't haven't had both sides so they don't they don't really understand what that what they're saying is prejudice or wrong, you know. But that's just like it's like an ignorance thing. They don't really understand the other side of the aisle, so it's like, yeah. No, and I and I and I, it's up here. It's a little different, I guess, in the way that I was raised because both my parents are um, Hispanic. Um, they're not. I mean, like I want to say they're liberal. My dad's more liberal than my mom, certainly. But my mom, comparatively speaking to like where her background, what her background is, she's yeah. pretty far removed. She's pretty liberal compared to her original traditional beliefs. 
or her family's original beliefs. So, you know, I was just, I was raised under this pretense that, you know, like, oh, you know, you, um, if you're, uh, my mom taught me that somebody could be born gay. She's like, people are born, some people are just born, you know, with uh, different preferences. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, and I didn't, and she never gave any religious context to it. Like, I never, ever knew um, that Catholicism had something innately, some had some kind of grudge against, you know, people that were gay or whatnot, or just hated them um, or disliked them. I wasn't aware of that. Um, So, you know, that was the way that I was just raised. I was under the, you know, under that pretense. Um, Same thing with, you know, race. I didn't really know how, like, I knew that racism was a thing. I acknowledged that that it existed, but growing up, I never really quite understood how rampant it was in some areas or just in general. Right. Um, I didn't get it. Like, you know, I would I talk to every kid, and I had I never generalized anybody based on the color of their skin um, or just their ethnic background. You know, depending on which country they came from. But right. you know, I don't know, man. It seems like that's what I was saying. I, you know, I was, I was, what's, I think I was watching, I don't know if it was a Louis C.K. stand up or something, but he was mentioning, um, whoever it was, they were mentioning how racism is kind of just an error in humanity. Like, you know, sexism might always be around because men and women just constantly are, for whatever reason, going to have some kind of, you know, uh, some kind of issue with one another. Um, yeah, but I think that racism is just an error in that sense. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense biologically, emotionally, evolutionarily. There's no reason for it. Um, and I just hope that it eventually goes away. But that's being you know that's wishful thinking. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was telling Wilson that I thought it could go away. You know, I, wishful thinking again. It could go away in a century. But to be fair, Lincoln was assassinated in 1865 for the thir- for you know what his reformation and everything that he had, had done during the Civil War, and then a hundred years later, uh, Martin Luther King in 1968 is assassinated, also for attempting uh, a re- an attempt at reformation and changing the status quo, and, and you know that's a that's a, literally a century later, it's 103 years later, and somebody's still killed. Um, right and assassinated for uh, racially tense reasons or regardless uh, surround the reason the, the motive behind it was still um, connected to that topic yeah so I don't I don't know man I don't know I think that the I mean here's the thing right yeah. is there is a deep root of racism in this country right so it doesn't just go away overnight. But there has to be there has to be a point where we see that it's getting better. And I mean the fact is like even back with MLK and you know, there were riots and stuff then too and there were marches and there was and I mean nothing has changed since then. You know, like we're we're basically at the same place. We we desegregated, but the emotions that most Americans have haven't changed. Or at least American. Right. Well, the, the feeling, the feeling is still there. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. desegregated, but the feeling is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, people still feel marginalized. People still feel treated like shit. Yeah. 
Right. You know, and there needs to be there needs to be change. It's not going to happen overnight, but there needs to be change. We there needs to be it needs to be, people need to see that it's headed in the right direction and right. stuff like with what happened now and what's been going on. It feels like it's it's not, you know. I mean, it's like, you know, there are riots and stuff with Ferguson and things cooled down a while and then there was the the coronavirus thing, but it feels like everything's reflaring again because nothing has changed, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just think people need You know, need if you look at areas like like right over direction. here in, in Jersey and New York, um, you know, and you know this firsthand, I feel like the diversification of the police force in this area has helped a little bit with the way that they kind of treat the community. Since they they came from these communities, some of the new officers that are entering the force, a lot of them are now coming from those communities. So they they empathize with them more. Um, Obviously, I'm not saying that it's fixed every issue. And like you said, it's not an overnight thing. Uh, There is still a massive problem with the police forces up here. But I'd like to think that change is slowly but surely coming in as a result of, you know, different kinds of people coming to the force. But, you know, you've also said it yourself, in comparison to, you know, the police in the Midwest and in the South, the police of New York City or New Jersey or just the tri-state area in general seem way more, uh, I don't want to call them docile because they've done some horrible shit, but they do seem more tame in comparison to, you know, cops from like Texas or, or Oklahoma. Well, I think with New Jersey and areas like that, you guys are more compact. This is this is my thinking, and it could be completely wrong. I mean, right. but from what I've noticed, being in both and living in both, you, your communities are more compact, so you know the cops more. You know what I mean? You guys are more a part of your community. You're more like aware of their presence. I mean, I saw way more cops up there than I did here, than I do here. Mm-hmm. So when I'm up there and you see a cop, it becomes like a part of life. And it's, yeah, that's who's there. That's who's watching my neighborhood. This is who, who is like, you know, involved. But when you see a cop down here, you, you know, you tense up a little bit. You don't know who that guy is. You don't know. And our communities are more spread out. Our like, you know, for the most part, our communities are more spread out and people like, aren't as comfortable about cops down here right. you know and maybe there is that like overarching sense of racism down here that makes it more uncomfortable or maybe that but i mean i'm you know i'm a white kid so i don't really have anything to like you know what do i know about it yeah no exactly because and i still i still feel uncomfortable around the cops up here so yeah. what is that or down here so what does that say about them you right. know what i mean so it's um i mean you know has i mean i don't want to i don't want you to speak for somebody that's not here but has michael had any you know or anybody that you know had any kind of uh any kind of experiences or noteworthy experiences with the officers um not with police but i mean i've been there when michael's experienced racism and i do think michael is luckier than most I, I mean obviously I'm not Michael and I, I haven't had all his experiences and everything so I can't speak for him full heartedly but from what I've seen it feels like Michael is luckier than than most people who experience racism right and um, I mean I and even I've seen him experience racism so 
I don't know, man. But, I mean, whether you're in the North or the South, I mean, racism is everywhere. I mean, look where the recent thing happened. It's in Minneapolis, which is the North. I mean, sure, it's the Midwest, but it's still a Northern state, which, you know, you sort of, like, expect those places to be more progressive, but it's it's everywhere. I mean, you know, things have happened in Baltimore, things have happened in, you know, Mississippi, things have happened in wherever. I mean, racism is everywhere. So it's not, I don't think it's a North-South issue. I think it's an American issue. Mm-hmm. You know? No, um, I agree with that. I think it would be, I think it would be ignorant to say it's just happening in this part of the country. It's just happening. No, 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 no. I agree with you. I mean, and I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying, I think anyone who's saying that is ignorant. It's happening everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to, we need to change our overall system and think about our overall way of viewing things and way of viewing people. I mean, you know, everybody in life is just trying to live their life and get ahead and do good. Nobody wants to, you know, have their have their neck knee on or have their like whatever it is nobody nobody wants nobody wants for the to mo- die nobody, as a result of I mean, how they even most people out there are just trying to live their lives and not tell other people how to live them mm-hmm. so i think i don't know it's just it's a very like deep-rooted issue that's not going to get fixed overnight and there's right. not a single and, you and know, the question is like how you know how do we handle the process of of um of the police going forward. I was talking to Wilson while you were gone about what the answer to fixing the police really is. I don't know what it is. I don't have an answer. Wilson doesn't, you know, we can only come up with suggestions. Like the most I suggested was like, because they're supposed to uphold the law. I, what I said was, well, if they're supposed to uphold the law, just have the, like, have the punishments and penalties for breaking laws be worse for officers. Because they're supposed, to, if they if they have to upload the if they have to uphold the law, then naturally you should assume that they obviously have to have a stronger respect for the law. Yeah, stronger. To. Well, they should be definitely held more accountable than they are. Yeah. Because I think what we see now, like, I, there, there seems to be this thing where, like, when police commit a crime, it's like, well, there's going to be no justice for that because he's a police. You know, like, well, I, I don't think right. a, another human being would rationally go immediately to killing somebody if they felt like, uh, if they knew what kind of consequence they were going to, like, if you got in a fight with somebody, you wouldn't immediately think, oh, I can kill them and get away with it. Killing right. someone would be your last resort. I think just yeah. as a human, just, that's just the quality of being a, 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 a being. If you were, if you kill somebody like an officer does, um, in this, in these situations, if you kill somebody yeah. so, you know, unceremoniously with no regard for their lives whatsoever, and you do that, that the only and they do it without hesitation, that means that those officers are completely sure and aware that they're going to walk away scot free. They know for a fact I, that they have no penalty to face. I think I think there's part of that mentality to it. I think there's you know I mean. Cops are under a lot of stress, and I don't think that's an excuse. I just think that, like, you know. Okay. Sorry, Lily came in. Um, I just think that, like, you know, we need to, like, they do need to be held accountable. They do need to be, like, there needs to be checks. There needs to be. And I think that there's a lot of angry people out there. I mean, 
people are going to be shitty whether they're cops or not. You know, I mean, some shitty cops, some really shitty cops did a really shitty thing. But on the flip side, there's cops out there who saw what happened and are like, well, fuck, now the cop, the crackdown's going to be on me because I'm a police. And they haven't done anything wrong. They're just trying to do their job and uphold the law. Because right, the fact that's... is, we do need cops. Like, without cops, like, we're fucked. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's no, like... There needs to be a system of, of checks and balances and somebody has to uphold the law. Somebody has to... There needs to be a system of accountability. Right. Is, I think, what, what it boils down yeah. to. Because, like... You, you know, if there's no accountability for cops, then they're going to keep getting away with shit like this. And they're going to keep, like, you know, that, I mean, that's that's the thing. And I think a lot of it is the people of, you know, America have lost faith in their government and their government systems. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, all I heard during the coronavirus thing, which is still going on, is that, like, you know... Uh, you know, the government fucked this up or the government fucked that up or whatever. And we, we have no faith for the government to see us through this. I, I have this app on my phone that lets me hear, uh, you know, radio, radio stations from other countries. And I was listening to an Australian radio station to see their take on the coronavirus thing. And they were praising their government. They were really proud that their government, like, handled everything effectively. Australia had a really low coronavirus um you know really low coronavirus numbers they were like you know and they were really happy their government handled things like that and sure maybe that's just one source but still all i heard from our government was that they handled it terribly so i think the people of america are losing faith in their government you know it's like going back to the constitution it wasn't meant to um be for 300 million people or however many we have now. It, and it was, also wasn't accounting for the advances in, in technology and, and society, right. you know, over... But it's it's still what we follow. And yeah. it was, I mean, it was written by, frankly, a bunch of racists mm-hmm. who owned slaves and who owned... So then it's like, how are we supposed to carry that into the modern day? Right. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, I mean, people have lost faith in our politicians and our government officials who carry out that constitution and our government systems like the police and the, I mean, how often are people bad mouthing the government? It shouldn't be that way. The government is supposed to represent the people. It's supposed to represent us. So the big question becomes, how do we fix our government? How do we fix? Well, I think part of the disconnect that people feel is, is Um, also just the fact that we have, we still use and rely on a party system. Um, and it's kind of killed the sense of individuality amongst politicians. Like when, when you're voting for a candidate, you're no longer just voting for whatever that person really believes in. You're voting for the party that that's kind of masquerading behind them. You know, it's like uh, if most people now nowadays that are going to go vote in November, people that are going to go vote for Biden, I can guarantee you, are not really voting for Biden because of his policies. They're voting for Biden because they want a Democrat in office rather than having. Another yeah, Republican. Ra- yeah, rather than having Trump. Um, and, you know, it, it seems to be like party over people. And people blindly uh, support their parties no matter who is, uh, who's, who's representing it. Right. And I think right. that's the main problem is we as a society have been taught that party's more important than supporting the individual free-thinking 
um, aspects of people the way that I think we should. I think we should be looking at a candidate and they should be able to represent their ideas in an, uh, in an original, organic right. way. Well, mm -hmm. well, I have a few things to say on that. I think, first of all, the two-party system is terrible. Yeah. Well, I agree okay. with you. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't represent everyone's views within two parties. And yeah. sure, we have independent parties, but that has they're not really going to get any attention yeah, yeah well, there's no way you can wrap up an entire perspective under a single like package like you can't go yeah. oh these democrats this democrats this is the only thing that they support and the things that they believe in it's like right. no you're limiting yourself and you're also alienating an entire group of people from ever supporting you and then it just becomes a right. war you're not supposed to be at war with each other you're supposed to be supporting one another and trying to find compromises Bipartisanship doesn't even exist in this country practically. And yeah. so, you know, that's that's the part that hurts the most is the fact that we, we are constantly fighting and yelling at each other rather than trying to cooperate, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, and I also think that our candidates that we have set up. So who's it going to be this time? Biden and Trump. Yeah. Trump right. Yeah. And previous it was Clinton and Trump. Yeah. I, I don't like either. I didn't like Clinton and Clinton or Trump. I wanted someone different. Mm -hmm. I didn't like Biden and Trump. I wanted someone different. So whoever is nominated is going to. I and I, I, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I feel like a lot of people feel that or have felt that because I talked to a lot of people after Clinton and Trump after what was that 2016, and they were like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want either of these people. I guess I'm going to vote Trump or I guess I'm going to vote Clinton because that's." Who I most identify with, but I don't want like I don't want them. So whoever wins is gonna be like you know well, the it's thing gonna is, suck they, either way. They already know who's gonna win before the, the the votes are even cast. Like it's just you know, this our the United States has a way of just picking the person that is the most profitable for them, I'd like to say. Um, and it's very obvious. You know, you look at every past president and um, it almost seems like all of them have been pre-selected for that role, um, and so sure. I, I just I don't I think that every recently at least almost every 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 candidate that we've had hasn't represented the criteria that most people want them to meet. Most people here want a candidate like I, I'm not saying Bernie was like the one that everybody wanted, but I feel like Bernie met more of the american criteria than the sure. candidates that we currently ended up with well it but, feels like every four years we get farther and farther away from the people right well it's also the media remember the media is also controlled by parties so you know like fox news is very obviously in the pocket of the republican party whereas sure. cnn msnbc all these other liberal networks are so obviously in the pocket of the democratic party you know sure. and you could see that with like for example bernie's representation in the media during this past uh this his prime the primary run you know he was being shit on by both fox news and the and the um the liberal networks both of them were like coming to were finally coalescing to come against this common enemy quote unquote um but it seemed but you can already see that the democrats didn't want him to be the nominee so obviously the news which is in the pocket of the Democratic Party, followed suit. And they made sure that the uh, the big media corporations made sure that uh, Bernie wouldn't get any kind of good publicity or good PR from them. And a good portion of the United States, uh, of, of, the, of our population, still, you know, pays attention to what the news uh, presents to them. 
you know they don't they don't feel yeah. like they have a, a necessity to go out and actually research the topics for themselves and find sure. out if what's being said is is wholeheartedly sure. truthful um now i'm not saying that cnn or fox news or all these different networks are just blatant garbage uh, you know i'm not implying that at all but what i am trying to say is they definitely have biases and they just don't want to admit it they masquerade as objective news but they really aren't they're obviously in support of a, a certain yeah they, they have a they have a leaning yeah. and i think it's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to not have a leaning right, right. It's but don't but if you're going to have one don't but, pretend like you don't you know right but washington in itself the the concept of washington and the construct of washington of these people who are in a different land in a distant land far from i mean you live in New Jersey, which is two hours from Washington. Do you feel close to Washington? Do you feel close to what's happening in the White House? No, no. not at all. Yeah, no, no not at all. Yeah. You're two hours from them, okay? This concept of Washington is so disconnected from the people and the people's daily lives. I mean, you know, back when this country was founded, it was very focused on what can we... It was, it was from my understanding, obviously, I didn't live back then, but from my understanding, it was very focused on people's daily activities, people's daily lives, like, how can we help the modern man? How can we help the modern people? But now it feels like it's very, like, how can we help the people in Washington? How can we help ourselves? How can we, like, the modern man is so disconnected from the president now that it's ridiculous, but he's supposed to represent them. So how can he represent them if he's, you know, a thousand miles away in our consciousness? it's i mean it's impossible so it's almost like i mean you know i'm not i'm not a supporter of trump by any means but it's almost like how can you how can you blame him for not having our best interests at heart you know he's i mean i i still think he's shitty but how how can you blame him if he's a thousand miles away from us in our consciousness how can you blame him if his problems aren't our problems. You know, how can he see our... I mean, Trump's been rich his entire life. Mm-hmm. So No, Trump is the least relatable him? person to be holding that office, honestly. Exactly. You know, I think and that's we need what someone made, relatable. Yeah. We need someone relatable holding the office of president. That's what mm-hmm. a lot of people liked, I, I feel. And I know a lot of people didn't like Obama, but a lot of people liked Obama, especially our generation, because he was a relatable president. He was compassionate, you know, he, was he was empathetic, and he also knew how to talk. He is, knew how to talk. He knew how to, you know, he played basketball. He, like, he was, like, he was, you know, a person. Like, he had a personality. Mm-hmm. And still, still, within that, it felt disconnected. I I still didn't feel close to the White House at all, you know? I mean, it's like... Well, because, you know, they still have... Their priorities are still, you know, corporate interests and other things of that nature. It, sure, they're very disconnected from from the rest of the world, and you know, smaller issues, smaller community issues, the ones that we see day to day are never even like a footnote in the presidency. You know, well, and we have local I, I governments to deal with that. I don't think they should be. Yeah, I don't think they should be, but I think that there needs to be more representation, like more represent, better representation. I guess mm-hmm. it just feels so like. You know, this, this, there's always that, like, this experiment of America. This experiment of America is, like, you know, how long can we last for this way? Because it feels like our systems are crumbling because, do you think those people who are out protesting right now, they are protesting because they don't feel represented. And thousands are, you know, 
hundreds of thousands, however many people are protesting, are protesting. You know, it's not just 10 people. Right. It's a multitude of people who don't feel represented. Those people should not feel not represented. You know, they should feel like someone is standing up for them. Someone is. And I mean, there are always going to be people who feel like it's unfair and unjust, but more people feel that they're not represented than do feel like they're represented. It, at least that's what it feels like to me. So the the question, the big question we have now in our day-to-day lives and in our society is how do we fix that? How do we get people represented again? How do we get people a voice? You know, how do we, how do we shift the scales of balance back in favor of the people as opposed to right. back in favor of the politician? And you can tell that people are extremely disinterested in the system that we have because, I mean, most of the people that I talk to, and I, if I, you ask them the question or you pose the question, hey, are you interested in politics at all? They go, no. For the most part, most people will go no. And, you know, and it shows because I remember that one of the main reasons Trump also won in the 2016 election is because a good portion of the country didn't go out to vote. They had no passion to actually go out and, and vote for their candidate. And uh, the people that did have the passion to go do this were the most radical. And uh, that's, uh, you well, know, one of them. well, I'm not saying that was the only I feel like I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. feel like they don't have a candidate. I mean, I didn't go out and vote in 2016. Right, I'm probably right. not going to go out and vote in 2020 because mm-hmm. I don't have a candidate. I don't have someone that I say they stick up for me. They, they understand no, me. Everybody I don't just feels like a figurehead. They're all like faux candidates. Yeah, I don't relate to Biden at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like, you know, I don't feel anything well, I, towards that. I don't that. relate to anybody whose brain is, like, melting. You know, I just yeah, well, I don't. That's a whole separate. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I, I, you know, it's clear, you know, I just, I, I can't relate to Biden. Out of all the candidates that we had this year, I got to say that the candidates that we had for the Democratic nominee um, this past year, was honestly better than the candidates that we had in 2016. Like, I don't think sure. they were, I don't think it was ex- much better, but I think the roster was more, um, it was more diverse. And I yeah. feel like there were candidates that could represent the people and who could, you know, who could do some real good. Or some real as- aside from Hillary and Bernie, can you name a single candidate from 2016? Um, not not from the Repu- I mean obviously there were some notable Republican candidates but Yeah 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 uh did did Booker run in No 2016 you didn't No um yeah I don't That's my point exactly I don't know then yeah exactly I mean, so I remember the only one I remember is Martin O'Malley who I think is the mayor of or was the mayor of uh what's this uh, of um of uh, Baltimore. I'm not entirely sure what he was. I just remember he was one of the last candidates. He was like the last holdout, and then it was just Hillary and, and Bernie. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, you, I can barely I could barely remember any other candidate besides that. And I only remember O'Malley because he was the last one there. Um, you know, well, this, this I, past year we had, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, we had Cory Booker, we had Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar. Um, right. We had people a list who, of people that we knew by name and felt more connected to, but you know. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. I, but I think I'm not saying they were all great. For um, that, I think mm-hmm. that first of all, we're older now than we were in 2016. Or uh, yeah, in 2016. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. Obviously, so mm-hmm. we're gonna be a little more hip to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also oh, shit. 
the floor just shook. Um, but I think that also um, there were there were better candidates this time. Like I feel like there were people that we could. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard's like it's a fantastic candidate. Yeah. something. She's thirty something. She's like thirty eight. Yeah. Yeah, she's closer to our age than Trump. I mean, obviously than Trump is. Yeah. Or Biden. Or but look who it's still like. Look who ended up winning. Right. No, and I, I personally, I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, Andrew Yang, um, Tulsi Gabbard, Pete Buttigieg, even Bernie yeah. at his age, like all these candidates ha- should have had better odds of getting the nomination than fucking Joe Biden. Like, look, sure. I get it. Biden, you know, a lot of people know him because they're like, oh, yeah, Biden, the dude from the last presidency. Yeah, yeah. yeah know know from and, and so they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, you know, that dude. Um, and so naturally, just because of familiarity, they're like, "Oh yeah, I like that presidency, so I'm going to like him." It's well, I think I think also that he's he's sort of riding Obama's coattails and the fact that he like. Well, yeah, I mean, did I you watch him, him in the debates? He constantly was like, "And Obama and I did this, and Obama and I did no, that." No, I tuned into one. I tuned into one debate for like ten minutes because I just I think those things are bullshit on their own but well, I the in- they could be better I, the thing is debates should work they just well that's we'll, we'll tackle that later but continue what you were saying but yeah. it, it's like um mm-hmm. he i watched it for 10 minutes the one time i saw a biden talk just a random like i wasn't like looking up obama or biden mentions obama i wasn't looking up anything like that i just tuned in and the one time i heard biden talk he goes oh yeah well when i was working with obama or when i was doing this with obama he just, it was constant Obama. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I get it. Like, Obama was a popular president. Like, a lot of people, our generation liked him. Either, even if you didn't like his politics, you liked him as a person, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But we don't need Obama right now. Obama's administration is over. He did what he did in his time. Okay. We need a new, fresh president to usher us into a new, fresh age. And right. a lot of people. I think in our generation feel that we don't need another Obama. People are just so upset with Trump that they want to run back to what was comfortable. And uh, and even then, like, I think the Obama administration had its had its shortcomings. You know, it wasn't perfect. I like Obama, but, you know, I'm not afraid to admit that, yeah, his presidency did have shortcomings. And I don't think Biden is the face that we need to to revamp the party or not just even the party, just revamp this country as a whole. I don't think he's that person. And I think even if he does win this November, it's just going to be four years of stagnation. You know, I don't think much is going to be done. And yeah, I think it's going to be four years of Biden trying to keep himself together, much less the country. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the VP, whoever she is, because he said it's going to be a female candidate. But I think it's going to be mainly the VP running things, kind of like how Cheney ran the country instead of Bush. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's going to be the Democratic version of that. Uh, Biden's is going to be sitting around. Oh, look, Patrick came back. Um, yeah, but you My know, that's finally back up. Nice, and you're not wearing I'm a awesome. shirt. No, not wearing a shirt. How amazing! But um, yeah, like I don't know, man. I think like that's not a satisfying. My uh, eyes are closed right now. I know. I'm sure that they are. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I don't think like you know, Biden is a is the choice that we really should have gone with. Um, and I think a lot of people are expressing kind of regret that we ended up with this the candidate that we did. Um, well, that's, I mean, then we're just doing the same thing we've always been, that we did last election, because 
last election, a lot of people were expressing regret that we ended up with Clinton and Trump. And now it's Biden and Trump. Well, my concern is also the VP choice, because depending on who is... My point is, whoever he picks as his vice president, in my opinion, I might be completely wrong about this, but in my opinion, his VP is going to be the president. So if, you know, and some people are talking, you know, a lot of people are concerned about who he's going to pick, because basically whoever his VP is is going to be in charge, really, of everything. Because Biden, I don't think, has the mental capacity to really keep up with most of the tasks that he has to. Um, so, you know, let's say something happens to Biden, God forbid, but if something does happen to Biden, then we're left with that person, whoever is the VP. I don't want it to be somebody that I think is just going to be as centrist as he's going to be. I don't want, you know, another four years of stagnation. Um, you know, and there's concern that Amy Klobuchar is a lot of people too, because it's a, that's an unelected official then in the presidency which is right. we don't we don't but, really pick the vice president you know that's picked yeah. by the candidates so but i mean especially in this time of like distress after the coronavirus and with the protests going on and then you know mm-hmm. it's it's going to get worse before it gets better it right. feels like and then we're going to get some an unelected official and i i think that's going to be you know that's going to that's going to kick shit off that's not going to be good it's also you know just think about I guess also, you know, from this perspective, because he's thinking, from what I was hearing, they were thinking about Klobuchar being his running mate, Amy Klobuchar. I don't think Klobuchar brings anything new to the table. I think she's another very gray, boring centrist with no real, you know, she was running um, up until recently and she dropped out on Super Tuesday, I think, because most of the candidates dropped out on Super Tuesday. And the ones that had already dropped out came in favor of Biden and gave him their endorsement on Super Tuesday so that he could get all those uh, votes. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So, I because I just, I don't really know anything about Klobuchar, so I just looked her up. I think that, in my professional opinion, which is nothing because I'm not a professional, um, she is from Minnesota. Already not which, a good look. <laughs> which, with everything that's going on, yeah. they're already questioning her. I mean, the first article here on the Philadelphia Inquirer is George Floyd's death in Amy Klobuchar's home state renews scrutiny of her criminal justice record. Yeah, so she's, she's the DA. She's, I think she was the DA of the, of the state. So, you know. Yeah. Was, so she's already under question in her home state mm-hmm. for everything that's going on. So Biden would be a fucking idiot to pick her now. Yeah, I know. Right. But if he does pick her, and again, like you said, God forbid something happens to Biden, then we're fucked. Right. Yeah, I, I just mean, I don't trust Klobuchar's uh, leadership. You know, it's it's not like I yeah. I don't know her personally, but given her track record, I just don't know if that's somebody that I want to be running the the. the well, not only that, but if you know he he if he goes, God forbid, it's just it seems like he's not all there mentally, and he's old, and he's. You know, it's just if he goes or if she ends up running things, people are going to go look at look. I mean, she couldn't even keep her own state together. She's the one who started all this shit in the first place. Why do we want to trust her? Right. And then that's going to ignite another powder keg. So it's like, I don't think she's the right one. I think if Biden was smart, which who knows? I, I don't have a lot of faith in him. If you were smart, you would pick someone young and 
like hip to it, hip to what people want. Hip yeah, to like what, Gabbard, I would think so. Or you know, Gabbard even if he wanted or, to go the older route, you know, Elizabeth Warren has a very liberal leaning, so you know, she'd be. Yeah, I'm not choice. crazy. I'm not crazy about her, but I mean, mm-hmm. if. I, I mean, even someone like I don't think he would do. I know he wouldn't do this, but someone like Yang, you know, like yeah. a lot of people. But he already Yang promised a female VP, so Yang's not a. a oh yeah, I guess I guess you're yeah. All right. Yeah, I would I would love I would personally love Yang, but I don't think that that's gonna realistic. Yeah, well, happen. plus a lot of people upon hearing Yang initially are like, oh, this guy's crazy, but then he talks, and you're like, hey, maybe he's onto something. Oh, yeah, Yang is, is sensible, and he knows how, he doesn't yeah. just put shit out there. He he backs up his claims. Yeah, he's got he's got ideas to back it up. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I think that um I don't know, dude. I don't know. It, I would have wanted. Would, look, me personally, this election should have been down to either Yang, Gabbard, or Bernie. I think those were the only three candidates that had interesting ideas and could have presented a fresh face, but they didn't yeah. make it. And, some, and fucking somehow we ended up with Biden. And Biden wasn't even doing strong in the polls. The only reason he succeeded at the end was because everybody dropped out and then they all endorsed him. So all of the supporters yeah. for those other candidates immediately just went over to Biden because right. most supporters, you know, will go wherever you tell them to go, unfortunately. Right. Well, so, I think that I think there's a, a lot of taboo behind Bernie too. Yeah. Because of the, uh, you know, he's a democratic socialist. Which is not even right. He's actually because the the policies that he describes are actually social democracy. They're not socialism, and social democracy right. was something but that a lot Eisenhower of people, practiced. a lot of people, especially on the right, see him as a democratic socialist. Yeah. I mean, you're and not going to change your view about him. And I got to say, that's Bernie's fault as well. Bernie shouldn't be yeah, labeling oh, himself yeah, that way. Fault. I'm, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I supported the guy, but he really fucked himself on that one. Yeah, he shouldn't be labeling and, himself, labeling labeling himself something that he yeah. isn't. Because the so, other thing is, like, like I mentioned, Eisenhower, one of the most well respected and probably one of the best presidents that the United States has had, practiced exactly what Bernie's preaching: social democracy, and it was one of the most peaceful. I don't know, if peaceful, but one of the most. One of the most golden era moments of the United States was his presidency. Sure. He, you know, he did it. He was a two-term president. Everything down the down the line. He was a he was a well-known and, res- and to this day respected president. I think Bernie failed by not making those comparisons. You know, he's he's saying he could have said I'm a social democrat, and he could have said, and one of the best social democrats this country has known was Eisenhower. He could have used that, and that could have helped them. But instead, he he kind of stuck to this whole, oh, I'm a I'm a, a democratic socialist. Which yeah. is, you yeah. know, which I think I think scares a lot of people on the right, and it's going to be hard to sway voters from the right yeah. with the, you know, social democrat thing or yeah. uh, democratic so, socialist yeah. thing. So I think, I mean, it's it's almost. I mean, the people who backed Biden, it was like a, a smart play because people on the right are not going to switch over to Demo- democratic socialism that Bernie is, you know. Um, so they're gonna go. Oh, Biden. Maybe he'll sway some votes. But I don't. I don't think Biden's the guy either. You know. I think. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think we should have hedged our bets on Bernie and put faith in him over Biden. Right. You know, and it's also what's also sickening as well is like just how much the parties care about self-preservation. Because like, remember, yeah. Gabbard was in the race until the end. She was in there pretty. Like, I think she backed out pretty close, if not. A couple like a week before Bernie dropped out, or, or two weeks before Bernie dropped out, she was in there yeah. pretty late. But she wasn't allowed to be on the debate stage. 
And I remember that at the end, she she had one delegate. She had one delegate at the end. And if you have even one delegate, you are allowed to be on the debate stage. Yeah. But because and she made she's made it known that I I'm supposed I should be able to be on that debate stage. But what these fuckers did, the Democrat, the uh, DNC changed the rules so that you had to have a threshold now of, of delegates so that you could be on that stage. So they, they bumped it up to like a, a minimum of like 10 delegates or something like that because of Gabbard, just to keep Gabbard off the stage. And also they knew that the reason they were doing this because Gabbard's a good speaker. Had she been on the stage, yeah, she could have taken Biden down. I'm not saying like entirely, but she definitely could have defended herself. And also, yeah, you know, yeah, and I think that's that's also scary to the Democrats because they don't want the country to think be like, oh, this is another option that we could go for, and then it pulls support from Biden. Well, I um, think that I think that both, I mean, both sides of the aisle are about self self preservation. You know, mm-hmm. it's both both want to be in the White House, both want to be. It, it doesn't. It goes back to the issue. The issue now. It's not about the good of the people or the care of the people or what's best for the people. Um, it's about what's best for the party. And that's, I mean, that's really social and shit. The whole, the whole stem of the issue just seems to go back to like, I know I bring up this quote a lot with you guys, um, but it's a really good one where uh, what, like the first president, George Washington, was completely against the anyone breaking up into separate parties because it would have been the downfall of the country. Yeah, we talked about that about two hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. We, we brought that up uh, before you came back on the call. We were talking about how the party system is kind of one of the biggest flaws um, of the country right now. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it, it just leads back to the fact that you know it, it this is a prime example of that. Just how these parties really only care about preserving themselves instead of actually preserving the candidates which Which, going back to what patrick's saying and the george washington quote is leading to the downfall of the country right i mean mean, the the problem with what's going on now seems to be the fact that people don't feel represented and who's supposed to be representing us is the parties so that's why people are protesting that's why people are is because people feel marginalized and unrepresented and i mean there's a whole there's a whole mess of racist issues and uh stuff in there too but it's like you know people don't feel represented people don't feel and the the elected officials that we've chosen don't do a good job of representing that anger and hatred yeah um you know are trying to to be understanding of it either i mean trump literally called people the protesters thugs on twitter um you know and that's what's that yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he was basically inciting violence, you know, through that. And it, I don't know if you guys heard, but Twitter actually um, fact-checked they, they, his tweet. They flagged him for for the tweet because it was uh, glorifying violence. Yeah, so Twitter right. flagged him, and then Trump got mad at Twitter. And actually, I think I don't know if it was yesterday or two days ago, he signed an executive order limiting what social media companies can consider false information. Limiting it to what? Um, I forgot. There was. I didn't state what the the guidelines were, but like Trump was so pissed off about it that like he says that uh, basically social media companies need to be uh, restrained from making decisions that uh, could affect the best interests of like the the government or whatnot. But that. But if 
a fact is wrong, you can't... Right, but, you know, it's it's literally like a 1984, like, you know, situation. You know, he's... Big brother. He, yeah, it's a big brother situation. It's like he's trying to control Twitter now and all these other yeah. uh, mediums because he got flagged. But, you know, Twitter wasn't wrong I got wrong into an argument him. with my friend about that. We just both ended up calling him just being a big... He's just being a big baby at this point. No, yeah, he's being a baby. That's that's literally a child... That's a, that's a very childlike impulse decision. Like, that's not... That's not normal. An adult doesn't do that. <laughs> a grown man does not, you know, get pissed off at Twitter for being called out on their bullshit, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I, and because he has the power that he has, he's he was actually capable of making uh, a change about it, which he did. I mean, I'm not saying it's a positive change. He, he actually did that. Right. So, you know. But I, feel, I feel like it's... Mm -hmm. It's easy to say Trump did this or Trump's being an asshole because of this or Trump's doing this. And it's, it's easy to beat down on Trump, right? Yeah. But, I mean, the fact is, like, whether you want to admit it or not, Trump is a product of our political system. Right. You know, I mean... No, he's here for a reason. There's a reason he's in office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, there's a reason he was not... He wouldn't have made it... I mean, you think fucking Trump would have made it through in the 60s or 70s? No way in hell. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. I think people have lost. I think. I think the sixties or seventies is when people started losing faith in, faith in their government. Mm. But the reason Trump is here is because we have lost all faith in our government. And now that Trump is being an asshole and people are losing faith in Trump, it's like, what's left? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What's What's left? Where do we have to go from here? Trump was nominated because people were like, the government sucks, let's nominate this guy from outside who's saying all this outlandish shit. But now people are losing faith in Trump. I mean, with his whole, like, coronavirus response and his whole, like, it's like people are losing faith in him, so what's left? If we can't have faith in our politicians and we can't have faith in the people who come from outside, the powerful people who come from outside, who do we have faith in? We need to put faith back in the hands of the people, not in the hands of the politicians. Right. Well, you know, their interests are in a completely different place. Um, right. And exactly. That's, mm -hmm. And that's the main problem. I mean, you know, Trump doesn't care about the every man's issues. You know, he pretends to do it for PR, you know, with that whole, like, thing that he did when he was still president-elect. Remember how he, like, he said that he was, like, uh, he was going to get coal job backs, the coal miner jobs back or whatever it was again. It was the coal industry. He wanted to revamp it. Um, and he did it for PR, and it was also, you know, to tell basically everybody on the left that was complaining about global warming to fuck off, essentially. But, you know, it was, he's, from the get-go, he's been controversial, and he's obviously, you know, he did that as a political strategy to make himself look better, and also to gain uh, monetary, um, uh, he, he has a monetary benefit from those decisions as well. Sure, sure. So, you know, it, um, it, I don't, I don't, everything that he does has some kind of premeditated self-benefit. Um, yeah. And I think that's the main problem. I think a lot of presidents are like that, you know. Um, not all of them, but I think a good portion of them. You know, Reagan definitely had some self-benefit. You know, he didn't even mention the, the AIDS epidemic happened during the 80s and he never even brought it up. Uh, right. You know, well, until I think, right at the end of his presidency. I think with, with the internet being how it is with like, you know, our new age of technology and our new age of, you know, it's harder for presidents and public figures to hide these injustices that they commit or the way they act or who they are. So it's, it's easier for people to check them on them on it. I mean, back in, you know, 
went out like the 1800s, early 1900s, even, you know, up to the 2000s. I mean, Clinton got away with that Monica Lewinsky shit, essentially. Yeah, he committed perjury. And <laughs> yeah, he got away with it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really starting with, you know, Bush, I guess. Well, Trump got away it, with yeah. his impeachment, too. Remember, he got impeached well, and he... It, yeah, yeah, but but we also know how shitty of a person Trump is. I mean, yeah, it yeah. feels like people still, even after the Monica Lewinsky thing, mm-hmm. had faith in Clinton, yeah. you know? Well, I think the reason for that is because Clinton was able to prove that he could, you know, put the country in an economic surplus, which sure. he did. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying his... that makes him a good person. What I'm saying, you know, like if I had to choose between like Jimmy Carter or Bill Clinton to be my father, I'd rather have Carter, even though he was a, a wreck of a president. But you know, Clinton's kind of a yeah. a piece of shit of a of a person. But if I had to choose who I wanted to be running the country, I'd pick Clinton, only sure. because sure. he knows what he's doing in that regard. Yeah, um, but, but it feels like it feels like people still have faith in him as a person. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean even Michael, who mm-hmm. supports Trump. I don't know if he wants me saying that, but <laughs> even Michael, who supports Trump, thinks that uh, you know, just um, uh, edit that out and post. You know, no big deal. Even, Michael, even, who supports Clinton, even <laughs> even he who supports Trump thinks Trump is a piece of shit person, mm-hmm. and that's his representative. Yeah. Yeah, these people support somebody who they're completely self-aware is a garbage human being. Yeah, <laughs> like they they have no they have no their reservations about it. They're like, no, yeah, he's 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 a cunt. So shouldn't we shouldn't we be trying to get people in office who are good human beings and we will be having good for the country? We we shouldn't be having to pick like the, the shiniest of two turds. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Well, that's that's what we've been doing for the past four years. It seems like you know we we ended up with Clinton. And, and Trump, and nobody wanted those two. And then we ended up, now we end up with uh, Trump and Biden. And it's the same situation. Nobody wanted Biden. Nobody wants Trump. Uh, the only reason Trump right. is, in the, is on that ballot is because he's fucking president right now. But, you know, nobody, nobody wanted Biden. So it's like, it, it seems like it, there comes a point where you have to sit down and wonder, is this all orchestrated? Because there's no way that of the mass of the United States wanting what they want and being very vocal about it, they still don't get it. Like, you know, we, we I think a conservative revolution started after the love era, you know, at the end of the 60s. And we've just kind of stayed there. I think after the love era, you know, the, the Nixon uh, administration and whatnot kind of changed the way that things are, are viewed. Um, and it permanently changed it. I think this country has been on this, uh, in this kind of uh, fever dream for the past 50, 50 to 60 years of how we are supposed to imagine our political, um, our, our representatives are supposed to be and act. Uh, if, you know, if you look at, if you look at, uh, at, uh, at Nixon and Ford and Reagan and Bush, they all share this like common like political politician-y uh, representation. They all like are, are almost the same in that regard, with very few exceptions. Like Carter was a little different. Carter was very progressive, um, but he wasn't he he wasn't very economically sound. And that was his, his downfall. And I think people are just so used to, you know, presidents like Ford and, and like Reagan and Bush. And so 
and now it's almost become a normality. The country, obviously, I think, is yearning for change. We want somebody that isn't like that. We want to break the mold. But I think our system relies so much on representatives like that uh, after the past 50 years that that's, there's clearly some kind of meddling. Or so, you know, and I don't think it's Russia. I think it's our own country you know, trying to, to force its own uh, best interests. But yeah. I don't know. That's my because I think Kennedy was a was a fresh uh, change for the country. A lot of people didn't like Kennedy when the elections were going on because he was such a a controversial figure. He was very casual. He was very different. He was the everyman. You know, he was Catholic, which no president um, had ever to that well, point. Been well, Catholic. he was he was young. Yeah, and he was I also think young, yeah. I think that's what he was a vital, mm-hmm. fresh face for a new. Mm-hmm. Because if you look, if you look, so you look. Post World War II to pre World War II, yeah. right? You have a very, very different country. Okay, yeah. FDR seems to be sort of the the turning point between. I mean, Hoover, who Herbert Hoover was not. And he wasn't well liked at all. Yeah, Herbert Hoover and JFK are what three or four presidents apart? Something like that, and they're vastly different from another. Yeah, vastly different country. Mm-hmm. Right, and sure, FDR served like three or four terms, however much it was, but mm-hmm. still, vastly different country. Okay, mm-hmm. so Kennedy came in at a time when it would seem to be like a we needed a fresh new phase for our country, a fresh new country. It was a whole we're revitalizing, we're re. So I think after you know when everything happened with Watergate with Nixon, we started losing faith in our presidents i mean no yeah nixon definitely people, caused the that people dominance. rarely rarely talk about the corruption of the presidents before fdr mm-hmm. because people have faith in their president yeah post fdr we hear about you know how truman was like you know what truman did and all the t- sketchy eisenhower CIA was probably the, the the least controversial due to the fact that he was a respected world war ii general um, yeah, but he was—he was also only in for four years. No, I think or, he had yeah. two terms. He had two terms. Oh, did he? Eisenhower. I think he had two terms. Yeah, you could look that up if you want. Um, I don't know. But um, how many terms you know Eisenhower had? But I think he was a two-term president. He was liked, and like I said, he was—he's kind. His policies are very similar to what Bernie was preaching. So you know, before he left office, yeah. he actually warned the country of. Uh, yeah, the, two terms. Yeah. Yeah, he warned okay. the country uh, of the military. 1961. Yeah, so he warned the country of the military-industrial complex. Basically, he warned the country of like, hey, don't fall for it. Don't let the the don't let the country spend our budget on more military spending. Don't let them. Don't right. let the military companies fool you. Um, and it was one of his big things. And what is our most? What do we spend most on in this country to, at this current point? military so it's not a coincidence you know he knew what he was talking about and bernie himself has preached you know cutting military spending for that exact reason and redistributing those funds to programs that are more vital um to the american people but you know it just but again going back to our original point eisenhower was liked um i i think for the most part you know he had his his um his proponents people that weren't or sorry his uh people that weren't uh, in support of him but um it wasn't a as loudly vocalized, I would say. Kennedy sure. was kind of that turning point. You know, he was also assassinated, and that was kind of like the death of like this icon that, or this blooming icon yeah. in Americana. Yeah. Um, 
and so um, I think Kennedy's death kind of completely changed um, the land, the American landscape, the way the people viewed the president. Sure. It gave people this feeling of the president is just as vulnerable as we are, because sure. people hadn't experienced that feeling. Uh, well, I think since I McKinley. think the president was shown to be vulnerable in a vulnerable time for the country. Yeah, because right. Vietnam was going on, and you know everything was. And, and I think that you know in the past, I mean, you know, um. I mean, four presidents have been assassinated. So Lincoln was assassinated after the Civil War, but he was still a powerful figure. Garfield was you know? assassinated, yeah. And, and then the other two, Garfield uh, McKinley. McKinley and Garfield, yeah. yeah, were assassinated during the Gilded Age. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, like, it wasn't a vulnerable time for the country. Yeah. But it seems that Kennedy was assassinated in a vulnerable time, and he was in shown a vulnerable to be vulnerable. Way. You know, he was shot yeah. on live television in front of everybody. You know, it was uh, it was a different. You know, television or at least broadcasting didn't exist when McKinley had had been killed, which was the last president that had been killed. So you know, it uh, it seems to me like the country just kind of I feel like forgot what it was like to lose um, a, a leader, yeah. and especially in that fashion. You know, nobody had ever witnessed a president be or any political figure, I think, really be killed on, on television like that, uh, you know, in the public's eye. Right. Um, and so, you know, that kind of changed the way that people viewed the office just from the get-go. And then we got Johnson, and Johnson was basically the figurehead of, you know, the civil rights movement during the 60s. Um, yeah. And I don't think he was honestly the, the best person to run it. I mean, he, he did make some changes. He was obviously at the head of it, and the changes that we did, got, that we did get were a result of Johnson. But I think had Kennedy been handling the civil rights movement, maybe, maybe it would have been slightly more progressive. Uh, okay, so Patrick just sent me this on the chat thing. Yeah. I think you guys probably got it too. It's um, the spending of 20, uh, 2015. So it totals $1.11 trillion, so $1.11 trillion. And 54% um, of the military spending goes to military. I, yeah, fifty-four percent is military spending. Yeah, look which, at that. That's a massive disproportion. I did not know that it was that much. But I mean, also, it's 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 a little obvious because you know you look at our at what we have in this country. I mean, we have some of the strongest. We have one of the most well-trained military in the world, and we have some of the strongest uh, weapons in the world. Um, and but the only reason we have all that is because we fucking dump all of our money into it. I mean, we have like what ten aircraft carriers. Patrick, if you want, you can look that up. How many aircraft carriers the United States has? Yeah. Because most countries only have like one or two aircraft carriers. We have like fucking fifteen of them, and we have the top of the line ones. So I, I want to. Uh, so what I'm gonna do? Okay, so I look up. I look up. Uh, hold on, wait. Mm -hmm. Did it say thirty? Uh, commissioned twenty in reserve three, under construction three, planned thirteen. So there's an additional 13 planned. Look up in how, look up how many uh, aircraft carriers. Uh, oh, it's a whole list of like different countries and how many oh, do they have. Oh, okay. Which, so give me another country. How many aircraft carriers do they have? Uh, oh, uh, most countries don't. Actually, we're the only country that's in the double digits. Yeah, exactly. Why, why do we have so many? Let's see. The, well, <laughs> you know, it's like. The UK, uh, United Kingdom has two. Thailand has one. Spain, one. North Korea, not North Korea, South Korea. One, uh, Russia, one, Japan, four, 
friend, like the most, uh, like the number two on the list would be Japan and France, and they have four, and we have twenty. Right. We we are we have an excessive amount of uh, items that we really don't need. I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. We spend so much on mili- uh, just basically new toys for the military. And we're spending money on a campaign in the Middle East that we shouldn't even be involved in. You know, we still have people overseas doing I don't know what. Because um, you tell me, what are they yeah, doing over there? You, hey, can any of you tell me how many wars we're actually involved in? Does anybody actually I don't fucking know? know. That's my point. Like, I live in this country. My flag is being flown over in those countries. And I don't even know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, we like, don't, I don't uh, know who we're at war with. According yeah. to, to PRI.org, we are currently invo- involved in 134 wars right now. Name me, name me five of them. Seems excessive. Like, off your memory. Like, don't read the list, Patrick. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Yeah. Re- now, okay, now read them off the list. L- I'm curious. Okay, let's see. Um, oh, this was updated in December 2014, so it's a little bit out of date. That's still a bunch more than I probably know, so go for it. I mean, still, I imagine we haven't resolved to read all the wars. I'm just saying that, um, you know, it's like... We don't know what we don't know what's going on, and we are the American people. Yeah, I know. I feel like well, we. I think people still felt like like that, you know, when Vietnam was going on or, or Korea. You know, the difference is now that even in the in the technology age, we still don't know what the fuck is going on. With even with all this access to information that we people didn't have during those eras, we still are are basically thrown out of the loop. We don't know what's going on, and they're just. Our government's making decisions for it, basically for itself, and it's not even consulting with us um, at all. So you know, it's, it's, it's. I don't know, man. I, I just, I didn't. I don't want anybody running the country that has those interests in mind. Um, but that's my point. Like military spending is what takes over this country. It seems to be what most of us seem to focus on. And um, another thing that like is really interesting. Um, because like, like when you look at this, uh, this pie chart, mm-hmm. military spending is at exactly in 2015, was it 53.71%, but veterans benefits was at 5.8. Right. How many homeless veterans, veterans are, are there in this country? I How think are you gonna the have fact like half, more than half of your budget be to the military and then not support the those that fought the veterans that come back are so little yeah right. i'm trying to look up right now i'm trying to look up to see if i can find a uh like norway's or sweden's or finland's discretionary spending chart because normally on a on from a what world i scale, hear america spends like 25 times more than the second than the country that spends the second most on their military yeah yeah, yeah exactly well, well, we're talking I about aircraft that- carriers and the united states has 20 and in second place is japan with like two I think so, I'm going to catch a lot of shit for saying this, but I think that normally Scandinavian countries tend to have like the best way of life. Like they they don't really get involved in wars. Mm-hmm. Their people are generally pretty happy and taken care of. Their prison system's pretty good. They're like and the Nordic so model works as well. Like the the this you could know, remember Bernie kept preaching that the 
democratic socialist model that he was going for was based off of the Nordic model, um, right. which a lot of which, people were concerned which, about because the United States is much more massive than the Nordic countries put together. Um, and I get that, but right. I still feel that it, it'd be difficult to transmute that system to the U.S., but it can be done. I think it can. I think it can be done. We just yeah. have to scale scale it up. Yeah. You know what I mean. We right. have to. We do have to change some factors, and we would have more military spending than them, mm -hmm. and a higher percentage. But well, given the fact that we have to maintain all the military uh, spending that we've already. Yeah, but it would still be significantly less than what we have now, mm -hmm. and it would allow us to put money into other aspects, and I think create a higher way of life because their way of life in the Scandinavian countries is very high. Right. So. I'm curious to see what our spending is compared to theirs, but I can't seem to find a chart for it. Um, so you're trying to find what uh, Finland's, uh, for example, their military spending? Finland, Norway, Sweden. Just find me one. Finland. Here, I'll try and That's see just, if I can. It, it's just insane. I don't. I don't know. It's. I imagine if we took that fifty-three percent of military spending, which is over half of the mil of the annual budget, if we took fifty that fifty-three percent and redistributed it to the other programs that need it. Imagine, you know, I, even if, even if we just like bring it down to twenty-five percent, right? Let's yeah. just do a little quick maths here. Uh, let me get a calculator. Are you so, good at the maths, Patrick? Not very good at the maths. Oh, uh, Wilson pulled up the Swedish government budget. The oh, yeah. 2016 one. Um, the highest percentile that they spend on is... So they 38.80% uh, of their budget goes to Social Security, Unemployment, and Labor. And that's the highest okay. of their chart. Um, and that's 38. So that's still less than our 54% on second, military. In second place... And that's for something for the people. Right. In so second place, like, it's 19.6%, and that's just for the government. government, Just general government expenditure. Yeah, so. government spending, right. Yeah. The, okay, so, like, if we were to just bring it down, like, by half, you know, bring it to around, like, 25%, we'd still have $300 billion to put into the military per year. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, I think I, well, I agree with you, but I think it's but, also the fact that they, our country, spends so much on experimental technology as well. Because we were trying to get, I forgot well, it was the F fifty or I don't know, I don't remember the model. The of thing the, is, the jet science, science right. and technology falls on like at three percent on this list. No, I know, but what I'm trying to say is like, for example, the jet, this jet that I was talking about, which is an experimental like hover jet that they were trying to build. I don't know if they successfully did it. It was the F-35 or something like that, F-something Raptor. Um, basically, it would succeed the F-22, um, but it would cost somewhere in the ballpark of like one to two trillion just to produce one of them. And so, <laughs> yeah, and so like it's an, it's, a, it's obviously a very accurate and efficient killing machine because that's what that's what it fucking is one to two trillion but fucking one to two trillion for one plane i mean come on you know it's that's not their entire that's our entire budget right it's not fucking necessary why are we throwing you know and that's an entire college education for the nation right <laughs> so it's like stop spending money on things that aren't necessary who are you well there's that old there's that old anecdote that like um so the government I like how you said uh, that anecdote the, uh, <laughs> this government room, I guess it's not an anecdote. It's a story I heard once. No, because you said anecdote, and I don't I don't like how uh, you said that. <laughs> it's it's a story I heard once. So the government spent 
$90,000, which in government spending is not a lot, but still $90,000 that could have been used for something else Yeah. to test shrimp on a treadmill to see how fast they could run. And they found out that sick shrimp don't run as fast as healthy shrimp. Nice. Experiments over. $90,000 down the drain for nothing. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I know I have you seen that documentary I sent you yet or I ta- I told you about three identical strangers? No. All right, so you know, I'm going to spoil it a little bit. I hope you don't mind, but it's just cuz it does delve into this topic. Everybody no, I don't want to hear spoilers. Yeah, well, I'll put a spoiler warning in the thing. No, but I don't want to hear. You you know what? I didn't going finish on. it. Doesn't matter. You know what's going on. No, stop. Um stop. <laughs> stop. Hold on. So <laughs> <laughs> so, go for it. Go for it. So in in the uh, in the movie, the whole thing that the whole what the documentary is talking about is the fact that these three identical people that ended up being triplets that were separated at birth found each other uh, when they were twenty years old or nineteen years old in nineteen eighty. Um, and so they find each other. They basically, you know, a whole bunch of things happen. I'm not really going to spoil what happens, you know, in their lives and and the things that occur. But basically, what they end up discovering is that the uh, adoption agency. They all came from the same adoption agency, which was uh, Louise Wise Adoption Services, which is a uh, Jewish company in New York at the time. It doesn't exist anymore. And apparently what they were doing was they were separating babies. They were, they were doing a, a test uh, where they would separate uh, identical uh, twins um, or triplets and putting them in different households. And then a team of researchers would follow up uh, with the children um, and go to each of their houses, never telling the parents or the kids that there were other that they had siblings, and they would visit them, uh, go to each house and visit them and perform uh, IQ tests and these different things on them. And the study was this was a, an active study that was being performed by the one of the best psychiatrists in New York, who was a Austrian uh, Holocaust refugee. His name was Peter Neubauer, and he okay. and he ran the study and. Uh, it was never published. It was never published. Um, we didn't know where the funding came from. And the one of the few times that he was ever questioned about this, because this became known after these tw- these triplets found each other. Um, when he was asked about it, he was very reluctant. He was very elusive about it. And all he said was like, oh, well, we got some funding from some private companies and people in Washington. But he never specified that so people... Is some- People in Washington, it was never published. We don't know anything about it. And then people in Washington, apparently, according to Neubauer, were funding this study to separate triplets or or twins in general and putting them in different households like it's some Nazi experiment shit. We, We paid for that. Taxpayer money went into doing an experiment like that from what the implications seem to be. And then people, do, and then people wonder why people don't have faith in their government. Right, and this happened, and and like this happened in the in the well 60s. in the sixties. It started in sixty one because that's when the triplets were born, and it ended when they found each other in nineteen eighty. No, it ended prior because yeah. the the children asked to asked to asked when is these gonna stop, and then when they said no, they that, stopped. But the, the the study itself later on it, it's cl- it, it's closed on in nineteen eighty. That's what it says. But then okay. Neubauer, the publisher, it was never published. And then the study, Neubauer kept it secret until, like, he died in 2008. And when he died in 2008, the study was sent to Yale University and was put under seal until 2066. And then um, <laughs> one of the two of the, the – so one of the triplets has died in 1995. He committed suicide. 
So there's only two of them left. Um, and one of them uh, called the Jewish board of, I forgot what, so, which is in charge of the documents. And he tried to gain access to them. And they just kept going in a loop, like getting sent to this person, get, getting you know forwarded to this other person. Right. Basically, nobody knew or had an answer of how to access those documents. And uh, after, the doc- after the documentary was uh, released, they were, uh, they were given 10,000 pages from the sealed documents at Yale University to read through. But none of those documents had any formal conclusions. There was no conclusion to the study from the, the documents they uncovered. And most of the names were redacted to protect the identity of the twins and triplets used in the study. They also said that most, there are still twins or triplets out there that probably still don't know that they have a, a twin or a triplet. Or sorry, a twin at all. Fucked up. Like they haven't been told. Uh, there's a guy that was contacted from the original study. One of the guys that used to go to the houses of the triplets. Um, and he said that, yeah, that there are a couple people have found each other and some of them have made headlines, obviously, like the triplets, but that there were about four. He said there were like four to six other uh, subjects that are probably unaware of the fact that they have a uh, twin walking out about, you know, around That's there. Crazy. So, you know, it's um, and. This is insane. And my point, the reason I just bring that up is just to go to show that our taxpayer money is being used to do secret shit like that, that we wouldn't have found out about unless... Also that we don't need to do. Yeah. Because how does that, how did that change anybody except the, how did it change anybody's life? It's not going to change anything until it gets released in 2066. Well, no, no, because well, the, 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 the triple... It it's unconclusive. Like, no, no, yeah, exactly, that's what I mean. No, because like, they received the 10,000 pages from that sealed, uh, that sealed, those sealed boxes, and again, it didn't have any formal conclusions. Yeah, so, so it doesn't help anyone's life in a positive way. It doesn't help the American people. It doesn't, like... The whole idea... I mean, it just ruined those triplets' lives because they didn't get to know their siblings. Right. And then that's it. And and I mean, and like, the, the problem as well is, like, you know, they conducted this study supposedly to put to rest the debate of nature versus nurture. Is like, are people, you know, kind of born as who they are from the get-go, no matter if you separate them? Like, are they just going to innately be who they're supposed to be no matter what? Or are they going to, or is the different parenting styles going to affect their livelihoods? And so, you know, and supposedly the fact that the triplets were so similar in personality, uh, which is uh, Bobby, Eddie, and uh, uh, I can't uh, remember the other guy. I don't remember either. Um, uh, David, David Kelman. So it was Bobby, Eddie, and and David, and they all seem to have extremely similar qualities to one another. Um, And so, you know, some people that were part of the study were like, well, if that was kind of something that they were looking for. They were looking to see if they would be exactly the same because then that would prove that nur- that uh, nature wins over nurture. Yeah. However, if the studies were so groundbreaking, if that if like that was the conclusion, if it was so ground-shattering, then why weren't they published? If something like that is so insane, then why wouldn't it be published? My, what are they hiding, you know? And yeah. if they, uh, it, to me, it just seems like they wasted money they realize they wasted money, and they're embarrassed to really say anything about that study. Yeah, well, it sounds like we've been wasting a lot of money in this country. Um, Patrick, how would you I feel if you turned the corner one day and you discovered you had a twin? And I, and I just found another me? Yeah, like you weren't told, you just run into one. Because that's I basically would, what happened would, to these guys. 
I would I, murder both of them. I would murder I would, you uh, and your twin. I can't deal with two of you, and I would have nothing left to live for. I would have to basically just, like, lemon grab him. Yeah. Because like, there can only be one. I, I Watch the movie when you get a chance, Chase, because this is why I was telling you you might like it, because, you know, it would just further yeah. give you a distrust of yeah, the government. I'll, I'll check it out. I've been watching that Jeffrey Epstein thing. Because so. the, the opening, oh, yeah, the opening like, that, 20 minutes, the opening, like, 20 to 30 minutes are actually pretty lighthearted, like, how, as you get to know how they got to know each other. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's later on in documentary, you, you find all this dark shit and whatnot, but the beginning is so well done. Um, what's, a, what's it called? Three Identical Strangers. It's on Hulu. Oh, um, it's on Hulu. I have yeah. Hulu. Three Identical Strangers. It's a fantastic fucking movie. Um, but yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know. Like, it'd be, <laughs> it would be terrifying if I just turned the corner and there was another me. Like it yeah. was just like, oh God. but I feel bad for the people that don't know that they have twins. Just imagine there are people because this study started in 1960. Those people are still alive. You know, they were just born. Yeah, no, ruin people's lives for absolutely no reason. That's yeah. what I'm saying. There's no formal like, conclusion to that study, so that study was a waste. And now these people have, you know, they've ruined their lives. I mean, one of the triplets committed suicide because of the he wasn't able to acclimate with his brothers throughout, you know, a childhood that they missed out on. I mean, yeah. it was, uh... Yeah, because I imagine, like, suddenly, like, oh, this is my clone that's been living his own life while I... And they lived uh, within a hundred-mile radius of one another. Because <laughs> David lived in Manhattan. Um, fucking, uh, uh, Bobby lived in, up by the, like, where the Catskills, kind of. Up by, uh, in upstate New York. And, uh, Eddie lived in Long Island. Oh, God. oh that's close. Yeah, so they were all literally right next to each other, and then literal people conducting the study. People conducting the study were going house to house. They were going to one brother's house, and then to the other brother's house, and then to the other brother's house, and never told the families that they were doing this. You know, they were just being—they were just telling the families that, oh, we're following up the the uh, the uh, the kids as part of a uh, uh, study of adopted children. Essentially, that's all they were said. That's all they were told. So you know, it's fucking. It's fucking insane that this shit happened. I showed that documentary to my mom, and she's like, "I can't believe that this happened in this country." You know, I can't. I mean, I know you can because you already have those doubts. But you know, it's like it's hard for some people to come, like people that come to this country, the government, man. high expectations of what it's going to be, to only find out that they get away with with shit like this too. Yeah. You know, I don't. Uh, it's man, it's just fucked. Do you think if uh, do do you think the guys like throughout their lives when one of the triplets like stubbed their toe or something, the other guys would just be like, "Ah, fuck! What was that?" Well, you know, it's funny because that's part of what the documentary deals with—not that, but specifically. But it deals with the fact that like they were so tired of being the same, because like they were tired of like constantly being these. Um, of like only being seen as like oh we're exactly the same to each other because the media and everybody that talked to them was only interested in their similarities they were never yeah. interested in their in their differences and what they differed in so they yeah. just kind of they weren't interested in them as uh, individuals they just saw them as like yeah like the same person well, yeah exactly so it was like so people were only interested in what were similar to, and and to an ex, and, and to an extent they were really interested in being similar to one another they they were falling in love with each other they found their brothers you know they were happy yeah. to find one another but you know like when you constantly live under this expectation that you guys are the exact same you're not allowed to be you know your own individuals it it can fuck up your life yeah and uh, yeah. especially if you weren't raised with one another it just you're not you don't 
there's no way that you can learn how to deal with each other in a in a healthy way. Um, All right. Well, this has been a podcast, and it's been um, a dark one. But I mean, we still had some we, jokes. We've covered some heavy subjects, and I think I need a beer now. <laughs> I'm gonna go you fucking guys, get high as shit. Yeah, we'll play some Fallout. I can't so, do that. It's illegal. I know. It's a, yeah, it's illegal. I don't for know. Me and Le- I, I, I might go watch this uh, Epstein documentary thing. Oh, you're not going to watch. Right. You go watch Three Identical Strangers, Patrick. Well, he I'll, I, I'll watch that when I'm done with this. I've got like one episode left, I think. Anyhow, it, well, yeah. we got two episodes left of what we're watching. Yeah, let's go back and watch that. Anyhow, yeah. guys, it's been. Let me just close it off. Um, it's been wonderful sure. having everybody on the uh, podcast today. We talked about some heavy topics. I hope everybody enjoyed. My please power don't sue just, us. Like, um, yes, please don't sue us. Uh, so anyhow, guys, it's been great. Uh, we're closing the episode five of the podcast, and we'll see you guys again soon.